from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to that show that they call Wake Up Call. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com. Your one-stop sports shop and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Oh my goodness, I am so excited. I'm so happy to be back. Today is a jam-packed show. If you hate Mondays, if you hate Mondays, Today, this Monday is going to change your Monday. This Monday is going to change it all. It's going to take it all and make it better. And you're going to wake up and go, last Monday was killer. I got to have a good Monday now again. I got to have a good Monday for the rest of my life. Because this Monday is jam-packed with awesome people. We're starting off the show in just a few minutes at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time with Marvin Graves of the Syracuse Orange History. He's our Monday morning quarterback. You know the moniker, Monday morning quarterback. The fans go out there and, you know, they have that thought that, you know, they know what's going on. I mean, I appreciate the fans. I appreciate the Monday morning quarterbacks. As long as you're not crazy. As long as you're not cra- I still appreciate you, but I may back away a little bit and have to go get something from the bathroom in the other restaurant across the street, but I love you. But no, the reality of it all is we, you know, a bunch of us are Monday morning quarterbacks. I took that moniker and I said to Marvin Graves, why don't we take our actual quarterback in Syracuse history and get you on the show on Mondays and make you the Monday morning quarterback so when we're talking and analyzing and saying what we think about the games, we have an actual Monday morning quarterback for our segment, and that is what we did. So Marvin Graves is with us every Monday, 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time, and he's awesome. So that's happening. In the second hour of the show, I am thrilled to have my guy back on the show. He calls me D. I call him D. That's how it is. I grew up, my best friend growing up called me D for Dan, just said, what up, D? And this man does the same thing, sends me messages, what up, D? So DeAndre Smith, former Syracuse running backs coach and current Utah State Aggies running backs coach, and the team keeps winning and the team keeps killing it, and the team found themselves ranked in the top 25, and I am so proud of DeAndre Smith. He is going to be joining us on the broadcast from Utah. I don't think we've ever had anybody on the show from Utah before. So he will be joining us from the great state of Utah, and I'm really pumped, really excited to have him on the show. The Utah State Aggies are ranked 14th in the nation. They are above Syracuse, above Penn State, Washington, Kentucky, Northwestern, Boise State, Army, Pittsburgh, Mississippi State, Iowa State. They're above them all. Utah State ranked 14th in the AP, 15th in the coaches poll, and they are currently 10-1. and 10-1. and for their season. So DeAndre Smith going to be joining me. Just If they were 1-10, I'd still have D on the show. But real happy for D. Feeling good. Their running backs are killing it. Was watching some videos on the running backs yesterday. Woo! DeAndre got them ready. So I'm excited. He's going to be on the show at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning. And then at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, oh, that boy, that boy good too. Joe Adam, former Syracuse offensive line coach, head coach of the St. Anselm Hawks. He's going to be joining me in just a little bit. Got nothing but respect for Joe Adam as well. Appreciate the heck out of Joe Adam. Always doing good work. Always putting it forward. Always making it happen. The team has had a struggling season this season, but, you know, I got a lot of respect for them. I know they were pushing. I know they're doing what they can. 
and I appreciate all the work that he's putting in. So, and he's cleaned up nice. You know, he's, he cleans up very nice, Mr. Joe Adams. So he'll be on the show at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time today. And then around 10.40 a.m. Eastern time, we will have Jason Lucas on the prowl with me to discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars' loss in the final seconds to the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's a little funny intro that you can all appreciate from that. Followed by UCF is 23-0. UCF has not lost a game last season, this season. By the way, they changed their entire coaching staff in the midst of all this. Does anybody know this? Does anybody know that UCF has played in the American Athletic Championship game, hosted it last year, and won it, and they're going to be hosting it again this year against either Memphis or Houston? And on top of that, they didn't lose a game last year. They played 11 straight weeks after a hurricane this season. They lost a game, and they're 10-0, and and they're looking to be 11-0 and when they have South Florida, and they'll be in Tampa, in St. Petersburg against South Florida this final weekend. So they got another big game coming up. Let me just say a couple things about UCF. Can I say a couple things about UCF? You know what? Thank you. I'm going to say a couple things. UCF had Scott Frost. First season, they go 6-6 six and six under Scott. Right? Second season. So they go 6-6 six and six in the regular season. Second season. They go 13-0. 11-0 in the regular season. They host the championship game for the American Athletic Conference. Then they go and they face Auburn. That was the wake-up call, right? That was the moment where they were going to learn who they were, that they can't stand with anybody, that the Knights will get denighted, dethroned. It's not going to work out. They can't beat Auburn. Auburn's too better of a team. That's how the mentality was. They can't this. They can't that. But then they did. But then they beat Auburn. But then they took what the college football playoff committee gave to them to put them in their place, to let them know where they stand, to tell them you are good, but you are not this good. And they beat the team that beat the two teams that played in the national championship. Auburn beat Georgia, Auburn beat Alabama, and UCF beat Auburn in regulation, not in overtime or double overtime or triple overtime. They beat them in regulation. They took them down. They did what they needed to do. They attacked. They were ferocious. Then they lost their head coach. They lost Scott Frost and his entire staff that went to Nebraska. So how are they going to win from here? He's in Nebraska. He made it happen. He was the reason why they were so successful. Then Josh Heupel comes in. Josh Heupel brings in his staff. Randy Shannon and company. Then Josh Heupel wins game one. Okay. Then he wins game two. Then game three. Then he wins all the way through to where he is right now. This school... That was 0-12 three years ago. Four years ago, pardon me. A team that was 0-12. No, I should see three seasons ago. If we don't count this season, then it's three. So, 0-12. To 6-6, to 13-0, to now 10-0. 23-0. In the midst of that, defeating all their non-conference opponents. Defeating everybody in the conference. Fending off South Florida. Fending off Temple, fending off Cincinnati, every single one of those teams got better. And they won. They found a way. They did it. Mackenzie Milton, over and over and over and over again, successful. The weapons, successful. Lots of respect for this team. Who switches their coaching staff in the midst of 
of winning and being successful and continues to be successful. Who does that, UCF? How many times have you seen a, a team switch? How many times have you seen them lose their coaching staff that got them to where they were and find success under another coaching staff? How often have you seen it? never happens. It never happens. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what conference you're in. It doesn't matter what team name is on your chest. That never happens. Ever happens. But it happened in Central Florida. Give us Auburn and we'll send them home. Give us whoever wants to come through these doors and we'll send them home. Win on the You know how hard it is to win on the road? You know how difficult it is to win on the road? And they win on every road game they go to. Josh Heupel has made it happen. Scott Frost made it happen. These student athletes make it happen. Danny White, the athletics director, makes it happen. UCF has been thrown curveball after curveball after curveball after curveball after curveball. And what has been the response of UCF? Winning. Winning. Every time, give it to us. We got it. You can't stop us. We can do it. Winning, 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 winning. That is what UCF does. They win. You want to smack them? You want to tell them, go back to your place? What place? They're winning. There's only four teams undefeated in college football in America in Division I AFBS. Their names are Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and UCF. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and UCF. So make it easy. There's four spots in the college football playoff. There's four undefeated teams. UCF, finally in the top ten, thank goodness. They're in the top eight in the AP. They're in the top nine in the coaches' poll. And we're going to talk about it to wrap up today's show. UCF isn't good. <laughs> Really? They're not good? They can't handle the pressure? Take an entire coaching staff away and see what happens. Syracuse fans, you know it all too well. Doug Marone, he was changing things, wasn't he? He was making it happen, wasn't he? And then what happened? He left. And the team lost. Take Dino Babers out of this program right now. What do you think is going to happen? Yet UCF went from Scott Frost to Josh Heupel and nothing stopped working. Only team in a nation without a loss in the last two years. Only team in the nation 23-0. Only team in the nation switches an entire coaching staff and keeps winning. Back-to-back hosting of the conference championship game. Say what you want to say about UCF. But don't be a fool. Nobody wants to play UCF. Nobody wants to see UCF on their bowl schedule. Because the reality of it all is, whether the committee gets it or not, whether the committee wants to fold to it or not, whether the committee wants to admit the fact that the conference, college football playoff is only for the Power Five. 
The reality is UCF comes to play every day. And you can't say nothing about a team that can't stop winning. Nobody else in the country has to win every game for two years to get some damn respect. Nobody. Nobody. Alabama could lose two games. Their butt would still be in the college football playoff. And you know it, and I know it. Georgia beats Alabama in the conference championship game in the SEC. What do you think is going to happen? Georgia and Alabama are going to be in the college football playoff. Notre Dame's not even in a damn conference. But if they go 12-0, they're in the college football playoff. So you want to talk about UCF is not in a good enough conference? Notre Dame isn't in a conference. They don't have a conference championship game. All the criteria when it comes to Notre Dame, none of it fits. Well, you got to win your conference championship game. Well, you got to play in your conference championship game. Well, you got to play in a good conference. You got to play in a Power Five. <laughs> they don't play in any of that. They don't have any of that going on. I'm not saying Notre Dame isn't good. I'm just saying if rules are rules, then why do they not apply to some of the teams out there? Well, we want to sell tickets. You don't think UCF's going to travel? Have you seen? UCF UCF goes to college game day wherever it is. They could be in Washington. There's a UCF banner right there with somebody holding up a sign. Keep disrespecting UCF, and they keep winning. They keep winning. Ooh, doesn't that piss you off? College football playoff committee. Doesn't that piss you off? Doesn't that make you mad? Damn it, if they could if they could just lose. No team in the country has to win every single game they play. This used to be Boise State. UCF's got to win every game for two years, and their butt's still not in the college football playoff. So you either expand that playoff, or you tell the truth about how you feel about everybody that's not in the quote-unquote power five. Because... My reality is reality. There are four undefeated teams in the nation. They stay undefeated. Then their butts better be in the college football playoff. You think UCF sucks? Let them play somebody. You gave them Auburn. They sent them home. So give them somebody else. And if they lose, they lose. But the committee doesn't think anybody can beat Alabama, so what does it matter? And the committee's always going to keep Clemson number two because they want Alabama-Clemson in the championship game for the 800th time. See the writing on the wall, folks. You got to be good. You got to make it happen. But at the end of the day, the committee's going to put who they want to put in, how they want to put them in, where they want to put them in, and they're going to set it up that they can make it happen the way that they want it to happen. And maybe they're just scared that UCF could screw that up. And I hope they do. I hope they do. Let's take a step aside. I gotta cool it off. Marvin Graves coming up next. This is a wake up call, fast break. 
Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious 9-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game Enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Satora's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? 
I have no idea. Absolutely, but they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash DT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're trying to get the man on the broadcast right now. That man is Mr. Marvin Graves. So we're looking to have Marvin get on here in just a little bit if we can reach him this morning. But I'm going to talk about Syracuse football regardless. I mean, that's something that we got to talk about. It's something that we got to discuss. Syracuse football and what's going on in, I mean, man. Syracuse, here's a funny thing. Talk about irony. Syracuse, 4-1 and one right now in their second season, so to speak. 4-1 and one in their second season, so to speak. Now, in the first part of their season, 4-2. and two. Started 4-0. and oh. This part of the season, after the bye week break, 4-1. and one. One game to go. Started 4-0. So they're almost mirroring it, but you want to be 5-1 and one this time. You want to be 4-2, and 5-1. and one. You want to go 9-3. and three. Now, mind you, at the beginning of the season, before anything happened, I said this team was 5-7, and 6-6 six and six at best. A few weeks in, what did I say? 9-3. and three. I said 9-3. and three. So they can make me right right now. Because I think there's, there's two different predictions. There's the preseason prediction, and then there's the in-season, this is what's actually going on prediction. Like, I didn't think the Saints could make it to the Super Bowl this year until I saw them for, what, four or five weeks, and I said, okay, maybe. Maybe, just maybe. But where we stand right now with this Syracuse team, Marvin and I were discussing weeks ago, weeks and weeks ago, before this team even had a bye week break, I said, I think this team could really go 9-3. and three. I said, I think they could get there. So, I appreciate it. And I respect the fact that they have put themselves in a position to make me right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But the reality of it all is, I am happy for this team. The reality of it all is, I am proud of this team. I can see what this team is doing. I respect what this team is doing. I respect their fight. I respect their fervor. I respect their desire. I respect their want to. And yeah, they just had a bad game. Of course they just had a bad game. This game was awful. It was bad. It was really bad. And I'd love to tell you why. Why was it bad? How was it bad? How was it so bad? How did it happen? How did this team look that bad against Notre Dame? They had a bad day. Maybe it got in their heads. Maybe they thought about it too much. Maybe it stayed on them. 
The reality of it all is it happened. The reality of it all is it didn't look like Syracuse. The reality of it all is they could not move the ball, and it looked ugly, and it looked very un-Syracuse-like this season. Yet it happened. 36-3. 36-3. We talked about running the ball. What did Dino say? Dino said, they're going to try and exploit us. They're going to attack us on the ground. We think our pass defense is good. They're going to attack our run defense. Here's the crazy thing about Syracuse. Syracuse, now, it was almost exactly even. Notre Dame passed the ball 38 times. They ran the ball 36 times. They passed the ball 38 times. They ran the ball 36 times. Almost exactly a balanced offense, and guess what? Notre Dame got less yards on the ground than they did through the air, so the opposite happened. Syracuse held Notre Dame to 171 rushing yards, where a week ago they had 365 against their opponent, which for Notre Dame was Florida State. So Florida State allows 365 yards on the ground. Syracuse plays Notre Dame. They allow 171. Two touchdowns still, 4.8 yards a carry. Not too shabby. Syracuse allowed 292 passing yards, two touchdowns, through the air. Syracuse struggled to move the ball. Jamal Custis only caught the ball one time on 10, pardon me, one time. I'm going to say 10 targets. It was 10. Got my math screwed up. It's okay. It's Monday. I got time. Jamal Custis caught only one pass. Mo Neal caught one pass. Sean Riley, four passes for 15 yards. Taj Harris, really the only guy. Five catches for 78 yards. Nikeem Johnson, negative yardage, caught two passes. Nothing going on. Eric Dungy got hurt, went out of the game. Tommy DeVito was only 14 of 31. 17 incompletions to 14 completions. Two interceptions. Dungy threw an interception. When you throw three interceptions, what did I say before the game? You give Notre Dame takeaways. You give them time. They run the ball. They like to they like to run the ball and run the clock down and get you to just get frustrated and angry and make mistakes. What does Syracuse do? I said you can't give up possessions to a team that's going to hold on to their possessions as long as humanly possible. What did Syracuse do? Gave up three possessions on interceptions. Did what they couldn't do through three picks. They didn't fumble the ball. Did not fumble the ball. But through three picks. Shining light, Andre Sisco, true freshman defensive back. Man's been getting interceptions all season long. Ian Book picked him off too. And Ian Book's got a lot of respect, right? Notre Dame quarterback. Andre Sisco picked him off as a true freshman. Syracuse only amounted three points in this game. Missed a point-blank field goal. Point-blank range, right in front of your face. Doink! Almost missed the second try, right at the end of the game. Syracuse had 16 first downs in the game. That's it. They were 33% efficient on third down, which wasn't bad. They didn't attempt any fourth downs. Their total yardage, 234. Notre Dame, 463. They completed eight less passes. Their yards per pass were 3.3 to Notre Dame's 7.7. 
They ran the ball almost the same amount of times. Syracuse ran it 38 times. Notre Dame, 36. Syracuse's yards per rush, 3.1. Notre Dame's, 4.8. Notre Dame had more penalties. Seven for 55 yards. Syracuse only had three penalties in the game for 45 yards in four quarters. And Notre Dame had the ball for four minutes and changed more than Syracuse. So where was the disconnect? Moving the ball. Yards per pass. Turnovers. Gaining first downs. The Syracuse offense just didn't seem to be in it. Didn't look like they were in it. But BC lost. And NC State. They're 4-3. BC's 4-3. So Syracuse is number two behind only Clemson in the Atlantic Division. Syracuse lost this game by 33. Yet they're still number two in the Atlantic. So there is a silver, silver lining. Or a silmer lining. For those of you that want to play a different game. Silmer? I don't think it's a word. You can look it up. I'll look it up. Let's look it up right now. Silmer. Let's see. Is there a definition for Silmer? Silmer definition. Nope. Simmer. Silmer is not a word. Made it up today. Proud of myself for that one. But that's the reality. Syracuse did not play Syracuse's game. They stopped the run better than Florida State. They allowed almost 200 yards less than Florida State did a week ago to Notre Dame, but they didn't move the ball. Tommy DeVito, who who's looked poised and comfortable in the games he stepped in recently, didn't look comfortable. This was an abysmal, disgusting joke, this game. Because to me, and I say joke because to me it doesn't embody Syracuse. It doesn't embody how Syracuse has played all season. It doesn't embody who they are and what they're fighting for and what they are becoming. This looked like a Syracuse team coached by Greg Robinson. This did not look like a Dino Babers team. It did it. They had a bad day. But it was almost in the in the teleconference going into it, it was almost like Dino was like, ah, you know, I hope we can hang with them. Ah, you know, I hope it'll be okay. Ah, you know, I mean, this is a tough team. Ah, you know, we're going to see what happens. Ah, it's a non-conference game. It's cool to be playing it. It was almost like we're going to lose. We know we're going to lose, but let's just go out and play the game. That's how it felt. That's how it felt. I hope that's that, that's not how Dino meant it, but that's how it felt. It It felt that way. It felt like, eh, we hope we can win. We're probably going to lose. We'll see how it goes. Notre Dame is not a bad team. By any stretch of the imagination. But this is the best offense they've faced all year. And it scored three points. So shout out to Notre Dame and kudos to Notre Dame for embarrassing Syracuse in New York City for the hundred millionth time. Syracuse at MetLife is embarrassment on top of embarrassment on top of embarrassment on top of embarrassment. Then they go to Yankee Stadium, and there's more embarrassment. So, maybe, just maybe, stop having games outside of the Dome like that. (laughs) So, because it's not a home game. They sold their tickets, they sold their allotment, but it's not a home game. Not a home game. 
And this one wasn't a home game either for Syracuse. In general, it was for Notre Dame. This is technically a Notre Dame home game. That's how that's how it was pitched. That's how it was regarded, that this was a Notre Dame home game. And that's okay. And that's all right. At the end of the day, Syracuse lost. At the end of the day, Syracuse failed to move the ball. At the end of the day, Syracuse did not look like Syracuse. They struggled. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get it done. They did not look like themselves. They looked confused. They looked rattled. They looked nervous. They didn't look like the Orange. But isn't that a good feeling? Despite the 33-point loss, is it not a good feeling that you can step away from that game and say, that is not how the team looks. That is not this team. That is uncharacteristic. Because every other year, what would that be? Characteristic. That is Syracuse. That is what they do. They do play like this. They cannot face anybody. They can't do this. They can't do that. That's been the reality for so long for Syracuse. Is that you expect them to lose by 30 in a good game. You expect them to not show up. You expect them to lose on the road. You expect them to not be the team that is going to give any type of fight whatsoever. It's going to lay down and die. But you can say this year that that Notre Dame game is uncharacteristic of this team the entire season. They went into Death Valley where Clemson has not lost since the end of 2016, I think it was. And they could have beat them at the end of the game. They go to Pittsburgh, go to overtime, could have beat them in that game. Have not gotten blown out of any game until Notre Dame. So from the outside looking in, people are going to say, Notre Dame, look at them. They're genius. They're in the top three in the country. They won by 33 over a prolific offense. Under under an eight-win team. Look at what they did against that. And yeah, that's true. At the same time, Syracuse beat the hell out of themselves. Notre Dame's offense, in my opinion, or Notre Dame's defense, in my opinion, they might be good. They might have some good moments. But Syracuse beat the hell out of themselves in this game. They beat themselves up. And that affected the outcome of this matchup. That affected where Syracuse stood at the end of the day was on Syracuse. They did this to themselves. And they feel that this morning. They know that this morning. It's no secret to Syracuse that they did this. Notre Dame should have never beat them by 33. Notre Dame should have never shut them out until the last few seconds of the game. That should have never happened. Syracuse let that happen. So is it jitters? Is it nerves? Is it being on the road? Is it being uncomfortable? Is it all the talk going into it? Is it the fact that Notre Dame is in the top in the country? Could be any of those things. And Syracuse players might tell you that it is, and they might tell you that it's not, but the reality of it all is this team played like they did not belong in this game. And that is not how you play. You go to an event, you own that event. You walk into a room, that room belongs to you now. You either watch the person who owns the room, or you own the room yourself. Three things happen in life. 
Floyd Little said it a few weeks ago on the show, and somebody else just said it. Oh, Ryan Seacrest said it. And this is American Idol. That's what he says, but he also said this. He said there are the people that make things happen, the people that watch things happen, and the people that don't know what happened. Well, Syracuse walked into Yankee Stadium, and they watched Notre Dame make it happen. They didn't make it happen. They have to play on that stage. You might not think that you are good enough, but you have already lost the game if you think that. You think I think for a second that any broadcaster in the continental United States, Hawaii, Alaska, or the rest of this beautiful God-given world or any other world anywhere with any alien on a microphone right now can outwork me? Hell no. Hell no. Absolutely not. Give them to me. Give them to me. Give me Rich Eisen. I love him. Give me Colin Coward. Love him too. Stuart Scott, if he was alive, oh my God, put him in a room with me. And after I got done crying because he was a mentor that didn't even know he was my mentor, give me that. Give me Chris Berman. Give me Tom Jackson. Give me Mike Tirico. Give me Bob Costas. I'll sit here all day. Nobody's outworking me. Nobody's taking me out of my building, off of my microphone. Absolutely not. That is how you have to approach your life. If you are a pilot, there is no pilot better than you. You are the best pilot. You got it done. You can make it happen. You are amazing. Sully Sullenberger was able to land that plane in the Hudson and protect the lives of everybody on that plane. You can too, Mr. Pilot, Mrs. Pilot. There is no better doctor for brain surgery except you. The doctor that's doing it today. There's nobody better. Nobody. You don't compare yourself to other people and worry about other people. You are the best. If you think for a second that there's any doctor out there better, that you can't stand in a room and make it happen just as good, then don't be a doctor. Be something else. Because I wake up every single morning knowing I'm going to kill it on the mic. Whether I feel like garbage, whether I'm exhausted, whether I'm wide awake, whether I had a great day, had a not so great day, whether somebody tried to hurt me or everybody uplifted me, no matter what's going on in my life, tragedy or triumph, I am on this microphone speaking to you. When something hit my life weeks ago, bam, right in the face, what did I do? I got up less than 24 hours later and got on this microphone. And I said to myself in my head the day before, how am I gonna, and my mind said, shut up. The voice in my head said, stop. What are you gonna say? How are you gonna get on the, how are you gonna get on the air tomorrow? The same way you always do. You put your pants on, you put your shirt on, you go to your studio, and you sit down, and you turn the mic on, and you make it happen like you always made it happen, because you're never gonna stop making it happen, and nobody's gonna cut you off. Nobody's gonna take your dreams away. That is how I live my life daily. So Syracuse got a little wake-up call. Because Notre Dame is good. They can be good. But they're not that good. They should never have beaten Syracuse by 33 points. Never. They are not a bad team. They are a top three team ranked in the nation. Okay? But you walk into the building like if you don't believe you can win the game, don't 
even play the game. And I'm not saying that that's how they feel. I'm saying that's how they played. I love watching the teams that are down 21 nothing and come back and it's 21-20 and they're telling the other team, you got to buck me back, bro, or else I'm taking this from you today. David and Goliath all day, every day. I love that story. Give me hell or high water. I am not leaving. Throw me in the fire. And you think I'm going to burn to death? Hell no. I'm going to use that fire. I'm going to live in that fire. I'm going to make that fire do what I want it to do. So Syracuse, you just got thrown into the fire. You just now, you know what it feels like to get embarrassed on a national stage. You were embarrassed. You did not show up for this game. It did not work in your favor. This was gross. This was grotesque. This was a hit to the chest. So you go to Boston College and you take it out on them now. You let them know who you are. You got another shot. Not everybody gets another game. You got another game. Show Boston College who you are. Show them what you're made of. Show them what you got. Show them why you're not a pushover. Show them why you're capable. And show them what you can do. You want it? Go get it. You got another chance at making it right. They put you on the microphone. You said you wanted to be a broadcaster. And you had stage fright. And you sat there and couldn't get a word out of your mouth. And they called you two weeks later and said, You got one more shot. Don't come in here and blow it. So there you go, Syracuse. Get on the microphone and show them why you kill it. Make it happen. Do it. It's you. It's yours. You can't control what other teams do. You can only control how you react. You cannot control how somebody's going to treat you, where they're going to treat you, when they're going to treat you, if they're going to treat you. But you can control what you do, what you say, how you attack. They let Notre Dame come in there and play their game the entire time. Yeah, they stopped them on the run uh, in the run game somewhat, but they allowed Notre Dame to get comfortable right out of the damn gate. This is a wake-up call. Take it as a wake-up call. Hear what happened. Know what happened. Watch the film and make it better. Because Syracuse is not the team that I saw on Saturday. They are not that team. They are not that bad. They are not that ugh. They are not that far removed from the good teams in this country. Not the way that they were playing. They were in the top 12 They're 19th this morning in the Associated Press and in the coaches' poll, which is respectful. They only dropped them seven in both. That's respectful. Syracuse is still in the top 20 after getting their butt handed to them. That's respectful. That's the AP, right? That's the media and the coaches saying, all right, Cuse, you had a bad day, but you ain't that bad. That's respect. So take something positive out of this. Syracuse has earned respect. They want to keep that respect. They better beat somebody. 
They better let Boston College know who the hell they are. Can't be laying any more goose eggs or almost goose eggs. Show Boston College what you are. And I respect the hell out of Boston College. I'm not I'm not wishing bad on Boston College, Steve Adazio, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm telling you, if I'm Syracuse, I want to score 40 points and I want to shut your butt out. I want to do I want to come into your home and treat it like my home. Two things can happen coming off of a game like this against Notre Dame or any team that you get blown out by. Two things can happen. Three things can happen, pardon me. Three things. Three things can happen. You can settle. Eh, They're a top three team in the country. They're way better than us. We're just not on that level. Okay, so that's that's you can settle. You can be on the median. You can let it affect you and bother you and get your butt beat by Boston College. Or the third option, and the only option that I think that there is, is that you look at Boston College and go, I'm sorry, BC, that you're the team that came after this because I'm coming with a katana sword and I am not stopping until it's all done. I am Michonne of the Walking Dead, and I am bringing out the sword, and I am not stopping until every walker in my way is gone. I am Morgan from the Walking Dead, and I need to clear. Okay? Anybody that gets the Walking Dead, you got what I was saying. Anybody that doesn't watch the Walking Dead have no idea what I'm saying. But the reality of it all is you can think about someone with a bow or a sword and understand that they're trying to clear a path. Yeah, that makes sense, right? I think it should. (laughs) Should. But that's the reality. That's the reality. Syracuse has three options. Eh, we tried. Hmm, we're just not on that level. Which is a cop-out and it's BS. Or, eh, you know what, they really hurt us and embarrassed us and I'm just going to worry about it and think about it. One of the hardest things in the world to do. When something happens to you that sucks to get it out of your head. And I'm speaking from first-person perspective. When somebody says something nasty about you, how, why do we remember that? Why do we remember that? You get 10 compliments, and you're like, damn it, what did, what did Stacy say? She said, you're really good at what you do. You should be pre-. No, she didn't say. She said, you're really good at You can't remember that. But you can remember the exact words point by point of somebody that said something nasty about you. Why? Because we focus on the negative as society. That's what we do as a society. We focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. If I'm Syracuse right now, I'm going, I'm in the fire again. Damn it. Damn it. But after that, damn it, that lasts a minute, three minutes, now I'm like, man, it's hot. And then I start feeling like, wow, I'm not burning. My skin's still on my body. Oh, my arms feel bigger. My legs feel bigger. My mind is expanding. Oh, I feel, oh, yeah, I'm going to crouch down in this thing. And I'm just going to like, I'm going to muster up. I'm going to be like a fireball in this thing. Now I'm going to stand. Now I'm going to shoot that fire through my veins. Appreciate the smack in your face. Because it's going to make you better. Appreciate the hit you just took. Because it's going to make you better it sucks right now it's awful right now but it will get better and you know who gets to decide to decide if it gets better or not you 
BC is not going to decide for you if it gets better or not. Notre Dame is not going to decide for you if it gets better or not. It is up to you to decide where you want to go and what you want to do and how you want to attack the rest of the season. Because you got a bowl game to play. But you want to decide what bowl game you go to. And it is really hard to take a nine-win team and send them to a crap bowl. A team who's second in the Atlantic. A team who, if the Orange Bowl wasn't inside of the college football playoff, could be playing inside of a game like that with nine wins. That's the reality. Syracuse gets to decide what Syracuse is doing from here on out. So decide, Cuse. Decide what you want. Decide what you're going after, how you're going after it, and what you're going to do. Decide. You want it? Go get it. Because ain't nobody getting it for you. Nobody's going to help you out and get this thing for you. You want it? You got to go get it. Take this game, jump in the fire, dance around in that fire for a little bit. Not like it. Not like it the clown because that's weird. But get in that fire. Enjoy that fire. Milk that fire. Appreciate that fire. Know that fire. And then go after it. Because if you want it, you can go get it. Ain't nobody taking it away from you. Go get it. This game sucked for Syracuse. It sucked for Syracuse. But damn it, they have respect in the polls from the media, respect in the polls from the coaches, and you are not waking up this morning saying Syracuse sucks. This is the way that Syracuse plays. This is how they are. You're not saying that. You're saying, damn it, we lost one. Damn it, we gave one up. Damn it, we didn't fight. We didn't come to play that day. That day. Because Syracuse has earned respect in your mind and they have earned respect in your heart. Dino Babers fought for this. These players fought for this. This coaching staff fought for this. John Wildhack fought for this. And they got another game to play. And they could go 9-3 and three in the regular season when this team is used to going 4-8. and eight. They can end second to only Clemson in the Atlantic Division. A place that is typically for Florida State. Respect has been earned. Now respect has to be kept. You're on the clock, Cuse. Make it happen. Really quick here, before we get into the second hour of the show, I want to let you know how many bowl games there are, because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Because you're talking about, oh, where Syracuse is going to play, whatever. The Celebration Bowl. Now, the Bulls start on December 15th, my grandma's birthday. Shout out G-Mama in heaven. I love you. The Celebration Bowl is on December 15th. The New Mexico Bowl, the Cure Bowl are all on December 15th. The Las Vegas Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, the New Orleans Bowl are all on December 15th. Okay? Then it's the Boca Raton Bowl on December 18th. The Frisco Bowl on December 19th. The Gasparilla Bowl on December 20th, the Bahamas Bowl on December 21st, 
the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. I'm not kidding. That's a real name. The Birmingham Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, the Dollar General Bowl, the Hawaii Bowl. That's where I want Syracuse to go so I can go to Hawaii. <laughs> the First Responder Bowl, the Quick Lane Bowl, the Cactus Bowl. Not kidding with you on that one either. The Independence Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Texas Bowl. Ironically, both of those are on the same day, and Syracuse played in both of them. The Music City Bowl, the Camping World Bowl, the Arizona Bowl, the Alamo Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Belk Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the San Francisco Bowl, the Military Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Citrus Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl game, and the Sugar Bowl. Those are all the bowl games. Those are every single bowl game from December 15th through the beginning of January. So that's, I'm going to count them out here on the shelf. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. So there used to be 41. I feel like one of the bowls is gone. So there are 40 opportunities. 40. 40 opportunities. Well, well, the semifinal leads into the championship game. How insane is that? How insane is that? You see 40 different games on television. 40. 40 different games. And Syracuse is going to get one of these nice ones. You know, I'm looking, but it's it's about selling tickets. Mark Jones and I had this conversation yesterday. It's about selling tickets. It's about selling tickets. And it's about your record and your conference. I think Syracuse is going to end up in Florida. The Citrus Bowl, that wouldn't be a bad one. The Outback Bowl, that wouldn't be a bad one. The Gator Bowl, that wouldn't be a bad one. They're not going to go there, though. I don't think so. But these are all opportunities for the Cuse. These are all late December, early January opportunities for the Cuse, but they best damn well beat Boston College and be 9-3. and three. Because it's really difficult to take a 9-3 and three ACC team and not put them in a big-time bowl. So you decide who you want to be, Syracuse. You started off the first part of your season 4-0, and the second part of your season 4-0. and You ended the first part 4-2. and You decide if you want this one to be 4-2 and or 5-1. and the best way to tell the committee of the college football playoff and everybody else in the nation and the media and the coaches who you are is to take the L that you took against Notre Dame and then put that L on Boston College. Don't just beat them. Beat them. And if you don't think you're capable, you don't play the game. So make it happen. We'll take a step aside here. We're coming back with DeAndre Smith in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help 
people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so... I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're in the second hour of the Monday show, Monday, November 19th. Hope you're all enjoying your day. The sun is shining in central New York, which means that the snow will be melting, which inevitably means that the snow will come back with a different storm because that's just how it is. But let's just hope. I had to shovel on Friday. And I don't like shoveling in November. I don't like shoveling, period. So don't put me in that position. I mean, I'm not trying to tell God what to do. I'm just saying, you know, Lord, if if it, if it snows, could you just have the sun come out to make it melt? You know, except for Christmas. It's got to be a white Christmas. We got to have that. So, but hopefully y'all are doing okay this morning. The sun is shining. It's good stuff. The sun is also shining on this team that's called the Utah State Aggies. I mean, if you guys are familiar with this Utah State team, if you're not, guess what? You checked the rankings this morning, and in the AP, they're number 14, and in the coaches' poll, they're number 15. They're pretty darn good. They're 10-1 and right now, and their running backs coach, 
I think it's safe to say I respect him a little bit. So DeAndre Smith is with me right now. He calls me D. I call him D. One of the great things in the world because that was my favorite nickname growing up, and he didn't know that. So I got I got D on the show right now, DeAndre Smith, killing it. His running backs running through walls, bouncing off stuff, making it happen. I expect nothing less from DeAndre Smith, who's out in Utah and on the broadcast with us this morning. DeAndre, how are we doing today? Steve, man, I'm doing awesome. Glad to be on with you. I uh, didn't didn't realize that was your nickname uh, growing up, D. So uh, yeah, so we we do have a couple things in common for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you, I mean, you've been around the block, and I kind of wanna I wanna speak on this a little bit. So after after your time at Syracuse, just kind of share with everybody where you were because I know you had some time in in Purdue. I know you had some time in North Carolina. So just what you can say about the road to Utah State before we get into this season. Yeah, after uh, after leaving uh, Syracuse, which you know we had had a great time there, and, and uh, you know guys I work with, uh, you know we did some things. Uh, obviously, we're proud of going to a bowl game and and winning the bowl game. So that was a highlight being there. And, and after after uh, Syracuse, I ended up going to Purdue. Uh, got reunited with Lester. He was already there uh, a couple months earlier, uh, so I got a chance to work with him again at Purdue. Then after Purdue, um, I actually spent about 30 days. I went back to Vegas. My family's still in Vegas, so I went back to Vegas for about 30 days. Then I got a call from uh, North Carolina and spent the season there. And then uh, after that, got a chance to get back closer to the family in Vegas. And Matt Wells is a really, really good friend of mine, and um, he had a position open. I uh, wanted to do some uh, do something different in the, uh, with the running backs and special teams, so I thought it would be a great opportunity to jump in, and it's been going great so far. And so when you, when you go through this, and like you said, you had your time at Syracuse, I want to bring up a guy that you helped recruit, you helped bring in, and, and I'm, close with, I'm close with him, I'm close with his father, Shelly Moneal, his dad, obviously Moneal, number 21. You saw something in this man. You started at Syracuse, something that that I miss in the sense of you had started to build a bridge with North Carolina and a bridge with Gastonia and a bridge with that area in general. And there were running backs down there and there were DBs down there and a pre-Washington was down there and now he's at Buffalo and he's making it happen. So, you know, when you you had that going and you had that Mo Neal connection and Mo Neal is one of my favorite people. So I, I got to ask you about him because Syracuse is still reaping the benefits of Mo Neal to this day, but that wouldn't have been possible if not for you reaching out and finding something in him in the beginning. So what did you see in him? What What is special about him? Because you you got that diamond in the rough. Well, the one thing, I mean, he's, he's such a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous baseball player. Um, and the thing, once you, when you recruit and you try to get to know kids and you go into the school and visit with the people that are around him every day, you find out that this is a special young man. And then you add on top of that his dad, which Shelly is, um, I consider a good friend. And, and I've always had the, uh, the thought of when I recruit a kid and their family that it's a lifetime commitment to them not just at my particular school that I'm coaching at at the time and it was at Syracuse for sure but uh, we're still tight to this day we still 
message each other on FaceTime. They wish me well. Of course, I'm a big fan of, you know, all the kids I've recruited. But, you know, I love Mo. Uh, he, was, he was a joy to recruit. And, you know, and I'm glad he's doing well. Um, but but you, you knew he was a special athlete. He was a competitor, a very humble kid. He was great academically. So he, he checked all the boxes. And, and I thought, you know, when he decided to go to Syracuse, the, the one thing that, uh, that we always try to mention to kids is, hey, if a coach is not at that school, would you still want to go? Or if you can't play, would you still want to be at that school? And I think the, the other thing that uh, Syracuse had going on for him, that was, it's a great school. And he really enjoyed his time at Syracuse. And, and he could answer that question, if I never played football, would I still want to go there? And I think the answer was yes, obviously. And I mean, it's been working out for him, so I'm happy for him. That coming from DeAndre Smith, former running backs coach at Syracuse that has spent some time around the country in the Midwest and down south from Syracuse and North Carolina is now over on the West. You you have been all over this great nation. You've gotten a coach in so many different places. What has it taught you? What have you learned from it? Because you have had the blessing of not just visiting the West, the Midwest, and the East, but you've lived there. You have coached there. You have experienced their culture, their world. What has all of this meant to you and, and meant to your coaching career? Because you've you've gotten a feel for all different parts of the nation. Oh, it, it's been awesome for me. Uh, every every school, every coach I've worked with and worked for, I, you know, I try to take a little bit of uh, each spot and try to incorporate it to uh, what my philosophies are and what I believe in and what the offenses I coach in and been doing it as long as I've been doing it now. Man, I, it seems like I've been doing every kind of offense, and I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy, you know, up-tempo. I enjoy running 12 personnel, 21 personnel, whatever the case may be. Um, uh, really, as long as my running backs get the ball, I'm happy. But uh, but it just it's taught me that uh, it gives me an opportunity to be able to work in different parts of the country if the opportunities present themselves. Uh, it gives me different areas to recruit. So um, I probably recruit all over this country. So, um, you know, for from that standpoint, it helps me out as a recruiter. Um, but, but I just love the experiences. Utah is a beautiful part of the country, um, and it's close to Vegas, so I get to go back home and see my family a little bit more often. Uh, but but I, I enjoy this part. I've been in the Mountain West a couple of times, so uh, I'm familiar with the conference. So I, I, um, so I just think that anytime you go somewhere, you can learn to help yourself as a coach is a good thing. Speak with me on, on the Mountain West and your other experiences in the Mountain West and, and just where those were and what you took away from them. Um, I, I was at New Mexico, and actually I was there twice, one with Rocky Long, who has done an unbelievable job at San Diego State, and I went back with uh, Bob Davey his first year back. And I tell you, when I went back uh, the second time with Coach Davey, um, and that team had one of the longest losing streaks in the country, uh, it was an unbelievable refresher to be with some kids, kind of just teaching them the game, the fundamentals from the ground up, and then two, three years or three, four years later, they, they, uh, they're winning 10 games. I mean, it was awesome to kind of be part of something like that, of that rebuild. And, and it was great. And I love Albuquerque, uh, have a home still in Albuquerque. So it's a beautiful place, beautiful people there. Um, and then I was at UNLV the first time with Mike Sanford senior, uh, worked with Todd Berry, who is one of the, you know, best offensive minds in, in college football. Now he's our commissioner, but, um, uh, but but Todd Berry, 
what I've learned from him because he was at, at Illinois State way back when and Army. Uh, just, just again, just some of the little small nuances of coaching offense. It was great to be with him. So those two experiences were, were great for me. And then now at Utah State with Matt Wells and, and what Coach Wells has been able to build here. And uh, we got our own little special little niche here in this part of the country. And it's been fun. We're, we're a tough, hard-nosed team. We do play fast, but we play great defense. Uh, we create a lot of turnovers. Our special teams are pretty solid, um, and it, it's it's been it's been fun to kind of be uh, with a, a Mountain West team differently than the mother teams, and, and and carve out our niche and be able to be successful doing it. Speaking here with DeAndre Smith, Utah State's running backs coach. I, I got to ask you about. I mean, your guys. You got you have Darwin Thompson, who has fourteen touchdowns. 890 yards right now. He averages 7.4 yards a carry. Then Gerald Bright, eight touchdowns, 6.5 yards a carry. Bunch of other guys have touchdowns. Jordan Love, who obviously is is at quarterback, he's got six touchdowns. And outside of that, you have uh, Henry Columby, you have El Toro Allen, uh, Justin Hervey. There's a bunch of guys getting involved in the running attack this season. And Thompson and Bright obviously leading the way. Just what you could say about your stable of backs is is does it compare to anything you've had before is it totally different I mean just what you can say about these guys because they're getting the carries I mean Bright's got 120 carries Thompson has 121 so they're almost dead even and they're both killing it out there on the field and then there's a bunch of guys behind them as well yeah, I have the luxury with, with those two young men. They, they work hard, and, and I really do split it 50-50. Uh, Thompson has kind of lately been the guy go out first, but I usually play the hot hand, um, you know, as the game gets going, and, and it's just – as it works out, usually they're right there neck and neck on the amount of plays and the amount of carries. And they do things differently, but they do things the same. They're playmakers. Uh, they do a great job in open space, uh, do a really good job yards after contact. And because right now we, we get opportunities to score a lot, then they're able to get their touches. And, and I feel like um, throughout the year, being able to split those guys, it keeps them as healthy as possible so we can keep pressing defenses down the line, uh, you know, all the way to the end here. And they're going in, knock on wood, uh, healthy, uh, ready to go fast and strong. And they made, they played a lot of football. They made a lot of plays. And I, I'm happy with those guys. And I've, I've been fortunate in my career. Um, I can say when I was at Northern Illinois, I had some staple of backs that were pretty special from the Mike Turners of the world, the Garrett Wolves. Uh, Thomas Hammocks of the world, those guys are pretty special in Illinois and Michael LaShore and Jason Ford and uh, those type of guys too. So I, I've been lucky. These group, these guys are a little different. They're playmakers though, and they're, they're going to go down as some of the best I've ever coached. When you see this and you have, you have these backs, you have these guys, I mean, you found success in building up running backs and recruiting running backs, you know, all over the country. So when – when you're at a team like Utah State where there is that emphasis on the run and there there is that leaning on that and believing in these guys and giving them an opportunity, just, you know, for you, you've you've had to sell that wherever you've gone, sell sell what you are, sell what you're about, sell what the school's about. On top of that, you gotta sell the program itself and, and, and are they running the ball? Are they committing to it? Are they trying to get back to it? Have they always been with it? Have they never been with it? What can you say about Utah State? 
and the scheming that they have, the emphasis on the run, and what that does for you when you go out and recruit, and you have the success that you're having, but you have that emphasis on it as well. What has it done for you to go out there? Because I know you're a good recruiter, but now you got a team that's you know that's running the ball and putting out some highlight reel stuff. So it's got to definitely make it easier, in my opinion, for you to go out there and tell them, hey, Utah State's not a bad place for a back. Well, the, you know, when you think spread and you think up-tempo, first thing people think is, hey, you want to spread the ball around and throw it. And that's not really the case. You do that, and it's the opposite. You want to be able to run the ball. So uh, you, I just try to show them with the results, the evidence is there. Um, you can see it on video that we want to run the ball. And that opens up everything else for us. And, and then when you have a good running game and your quarterback is good and we got guys on the outside that can make plays, uh, then when you're when you can bring that whole total package together, then you got an effective offense. So I just try to teach those guys or at least communicate with those guys and show those guys that we want to be able to run the ball first uh, and then everything else will fall in line after that. And then just over my over my career, I've just been involved with so many offenses that different ways uh, that you get to the run game is still the same. We want to be able to run the football. And usually when you have success, you got to have a good running game. So, um, and I've been, I've been really, really lucky that places I've been, uh, that we, we always talked about that and we did that and the results show that. That coming from DeAndre Smith, who spent some time at Syracuse now over at Utah State. DeAndre, this Utah State Aggies team this season went to Michigan State, 11th ranked team in the country at the time, lost by one touchdown in a hard-fought game, 38-31. to Since then has won 10 straight games. So just what you could say about being a part of this program, what this program is doing, 10-0 and in their last 10, and that only game that they lost, no blowout. You know, somebody sees Utah State on the Michigan State schedule, and they go, oh, okay, season opener, easy victory. That wasn't the case at all. You pushed them to the brink. So just what you could say about being 10-1, and having a 10-0 and streak right now, and then knowing that that only loss was a loss against a Big Ten team where you pushed them at home to their wits' end and they had to pull it off at the end. Well, the start of the season, uh, being a, being a first-year first coach, you, you never know exactly what you're going to have. But I, I tell you what, our kids came out and – and they executed from uh, the very first game, pretty much the very first snap. And and you know we our most games uh, we played well. Some games we haven't played as well, but but generally speaking, the, the on offense the kids are very uh, comfortable in what we do. Uh, we do go extremely fast. Uh, that gives us an advantage as well. Um, I, I know the first game of the year that was that was definitely a little something different uh, for those guys. Michigan State defense, just how fast we were going. So. We try to use that as an advantage, and, and we were able to make some plays that way. And, and then once you move forward and you play the rest of the season, you just take it one game at a time. Um, you know, we always try to be 1-0 every week, and, and fortunately we've been 1-0 we've been 10 times, you know, this season. And, um, and, of course, as we move towards the season, we knew it was going to be harder and harder to win games and, and 
um, and that type of thing. But the kids have just came back and focused. And when you're on the road, I mean, you kind of got the routine down. The kids are comfortable with it. Uh, I tell you what, I, we got tremendous leadership, and our kids work really, really hard week in and week out, and it gives us a chance. And like I said, it's not always perfect, uh, but the kids buy in uh, as a staff. The guys I work with are great guys, and, and we just try to put a game plan in place. Uh, the kids go out and execute and play fast, and, and, and we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that 10 weeks in a row. And, and uh, we got we got one more this week trying to be 1-0. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put a good game plan together, and we'll go out and execute and see what happens. The offense of this Utah State team that you get to be a part of as the running backs coach, 60-13 to against New Mexico State, 73-12 against Tennessee Tech, 40-plus against Air Force, 40-plus against BYU, 59-28 against UNLV, 61 against New Mexico, 56 against Hawaii, who we all know can score, 62 against San Jose State, and then you sprinkle in Two games there that were close, 24-16 at Wyoming, 29-24 at Colorado State. This offense is is prolific. Like you said, quick moving, get out there, do what you got to do. I mean, this is a team where you said, and I know that every coach is going to look back at the film and say, yeah, we won 56-17, to but we need to do this better, we need to do that. You know, that's how you build championship teams, that's how you build success. But this offense, you put it up, you know, numbers-wise, this is a prolific offense who knows what they're doing, who knows how to score the ball, who's who's pushing teams, and then the defense is typically holding teams down. Just what you could say about what Utah State has done, because this Mountain West Conference has been the Boise State Conference, but now you're above Boise State. You got Boise State coming up, and that's a massive game. And, and, and on top of all of that, I mean, th- this this is the offense that people are talking about. This is the the top 25 team that's that's leading the Mountain West. So a little bit of a different world and, and working to change the guard, just what you can say about being a part of this and being in the Boise State Conference that isn't just Boise State anymore. Well, it, it's been fun to be part of it. There's no question about it. And you, you love to see kids have success. And, and when we have had success like those games you mentioned, you get a lot of kids. Uh, that are playing and, and it keeps everybody engaged so that's one and and you know Boise has always been a tough team and, and they've done a, a great job in the Mount West and and it's going to be a tough game for us and and just like we we tell our kids and it is true that you know you can you can beat everybody on your schedule and then you can lose everybody in your schedule so that won't change um and those guys are going to be tough to go beat uh, at their place but we're going to put a game game plan together and and our kids are going to go out and execute and it's going to be a great battle there's no question about it but as far as what we've been able to do um it's, it's been tremendous. I've never been part of this. Um, it, it's it's kind of crazy. Those numbers are absolutely crazy to kind of when you start talking about them out loud like that. But but um, it, it comes down to our kids are executing. They believe in what we do. They know our system. Uh, they can do it at a very fast and high level. And, and we've had that. You can see the results from that. Absolutely. And, and that coming from DeAndre Smith. DeAndre, my, my final question football-wise, and I want to do something fun here for a second, but – being ranked in the top 25, Utah State. I mean, it's. I know you got to go out and every week you got to try and be one and zero. I know that you know as a coach you got to stay focused. Uh, as a coach, you can't control the rankings and whatnot. But people aren't used to seeing Utah State in the top 25, let alone the top 30, top 40, top 14 in the AP, and top 15 in the coaches poll right now. Just what that says, because but beneath. 
Utah State are teams like Penn State and Washington, Kentucky and Utah and Syracuse and Northwestern and Mississippi State and so on and so forth. I mean, Utah State has done enough for the media and the coaches around the country to give respect to them, put them in the top 15 in both polls, and and put them on the map. Just what that says to you, because Utah State, it's, it's atypical to see them in the top 25 with the quote-unquote Power 5 conference team. So this has got to be a big moment. I know you got to focus. I know it's not something that coaches talk about a lot, but you're building respect for the program, and that's going a long way because the media and the coaches are catching on to what Utah is trying to do. Well, you know, D, you know you're my guy, and, and I, <laughs> I know you don't want to hear the coaching speak, but the coach speak. But to be honest with you, you know, we talk about this um, all the time that, you know, we started this season off, we wanted to be Mount West champs, and uh, really we just focus on that. D, that, that is absolutely cool to say when you're ranked and the, the fans get involved, and obviously, we, you know, the attention that you get from that is very positive. Uh, for our program, but really the rankings and all that will take care of itself if, if we're Mountain West champs. There's no question about it. So we just focus on that. I honestly, don't ever, ever talk to my guys about the rankings. We just talk about, uh, you know, the ultimate goal, and that's to be Mountain West champs. And I think if we get to that, then the rankings will take care of itself. Um, but, I, well, you know, we do, we do know it's out there. And the key, uh, the fans enjoy it, and, and, and the media is great. The attention that we get from it, but but really the focus is just trying to win this next game and get to the ultimate goal. That coming from DeAndre Smith. DeAndre, I want to do something I've done on this show for years, and I, I want you to be a part of it. I don't know if we've ever done it. We may have. I don't think we have though. But it's called Rapid Fire. It has nothing to do with football. It has really nothing to do with sports. But I'm going to throw a bunch of questions at you. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw three at you, and then being totally different in the world of broadcasting, where interviewers don't like to be interviewed, I'm going to let you throw three at me. Now you have no idea. I have no idea what you're going to say because I'm telling you this on live radio right now for the first time. But are you willing to play rapid fire where I get to throw three at you, you get to throw three back? Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's go. I'm, I'm game. All right. Fair enough. So my first question for you is, who would play you? In a movie, if you could pick anybody in the world, who would be you in a movie and why? Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good question. Who would be me uh, in a movie? Well, I um, I get teased about this, and, and I guess I resent it, but um, <laughs> if, if somebody would, I would go with Kevin Hart. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I think with a guy like Kevin, he's uh, obviously he's talented in what he does and he's funny. And I think I'm a funny guy. Um, I'm not as short as he is because I guess he's really short. But but we're both short, shorter guys. And he has a lot of confidence in himself, just like I do. And uh, I think he would do a great job representing me if he was running the option in a, in a, in a sports movie when, uh, if, I, if he had to star in that for me. All right, fair enough. I like that. That's a good answer. My second one for you is give me something on your bucket list that you believe you can achieve within the next year. Ooh, that's another great question. Um, A bucket list that I can achieve in a year. Um, Well, you know, one of my bucket lists is to uh, be able to – my younger son is – going into uh, senior year and um, I would love more than anything that he that he becomes a big time 
uh, starting quarterback somewhere, and I get a chance to watch him in a Power Five bowl game, uh, be a dad and a fan at the same time, and I think that that's something that could possibly happen. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. We'll be saying prayers for him. My last one for you is – let me think about this. I want to make this a good one. Okay, let me make this a good one. Let me see here. You're stranded on a desert island, okay? You're, you're, in the, you're stranded on an island. You're in, you're, in the middle, you're in the middle of the ocean. You're on an island. You can take three things with you besides, like, food and the normal stuff to keep you alive. What three things would you take with you on the island if you didn't know how long you were going to be there? Okay, so I'll need I'll need some cigars okay, to relax my nerves. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I need I need some cigars. I need a good uh, a good cigar that I that I can uh, be able to smoke on and calm my nerves that way. Uh, I uh, need some music. I need some music. So I have a good playlist there that I, I can listen to, uh, and then. Um, the final thing, what would I need? And you see, I can't have food, huh? No, well, you 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 already have it. It's already there. I, I already I already have the food. Uh, well, I uh, man, that's that's a, that's a tough one. I don't know in the last one what I would need if you gave me food. Um, and uh, I can't work out because I'm stranded, right? I, if, <laughs> if I can work out, if I work out, I want to stay fit. So when they rescue me, I'm not all. Uh, scrawny, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I got I got DeAndre Smith on the show with me, uh, former Syracuse running backs coach. That's how we met. And uh, all these years later at Utah State, doing a tremendous things with a top 15 ranked team in the country. All right, DeAndre, I'm on the hot seat. I've never let you do this before. I think you know me way too well. We've spent a lot of time together, and well, we've laughed a lot. So be gentle. I'm gonna give you three questions. All right, so yeah, we've never done this before. So, um, all right, so DT, let's see what we got here. All right, DT. Uh, well, you know what? I'll, I'll I'll throw this back on you, and I know you do a great job uh, in in what you do. So, what is the dream job ultimately for DT down the road, three years from now? What is what is DT's ultimate goal? Where does he want to be? I would like to continue to expand this with the people that have been on it, and I would love the opportunity to have my own network. I've built to do certain things, but I'd love one day for somebody to turn on the television, and it's the DTBM, Dance Tour Broadcast Media Network, which would be sports, but also a little bit of everything. We've expanded from a sports show to a company, to a company that has the sports show, to an entertainment show, to a Disney show. And the company is ever growing, ever expanding, and I'm I'm so proud of it that uh, I would love for you to turn on the TV and get to see a network someday. Okay, all right, good answer, good answer. All right, so now I'm I'm kind of uh, into fashion. Okay, yeah. Um, and so if you had an opportunity to uh, go on a shopping spree, New York City. And uh, give me give me three key items. Uh, so when you're big time one day, what are three key items that you're gonna go get? You're gonna spend your money on on your shopping spree. All right. So I'm in New York City and I'm on a I'm on a shopping spree. So mm-hmm. I'm going to first thing I thought of, and and I feel like I feel like I feel like we should both get one of these. D. We can wear white underneath, but you gotta have I gotta have a blue pinstripe suit. 
I gotta right, have that. Go. Gotta have that. I gotta have some some uh, some some shoes to go with it. I gotta have some yep. brown, real stylish, real nice. Gotta have those shoes. So I would say that, and uh, I would have my grandmother's cufflinks. So I already have those. She gave me Superman ones, so I put those on. So the the only other thing that I would I would have is maybe I, I have a chain. I have a cross on my chest. Maybe I get myself another one of those. But you know, I want to look like I want to look like a classy. Uh, as a businessman, I, I want to look like a classy rapper. I want to look better than Diddy. That's how I want to look. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. Okay, final question. All right. So it seems like there's always this Mount Rushmore of athletes and things like that that people throw out. Yeah. So your uh, Mount Rushmore of people you want to interview with. That I haven't talked to yet. Yet you have not talked to yet. Uh, and if, if that's anybody. So who, who are those people? Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. So, well, Dabo Sweeney was one of those, and I got him. Okay. Okay. So okay. I got Dabo. I got to talk to Dabo about God and faith. That was a lot. I had waited two years to do that. Uh, so I would say, hmm, if it's my personal one, it, this is not going to be like what people expect because it's like, oh, Super Bowl, this, Super Bowl. No. Uh, my, mine would be Damon Stoudemire because he was my favorite basketball player coming out of Arizona playing for the Raptors. So Damon would be up there. Fred Taylor would be up there because I was a massive Fred Taylor fan, and he's back at Jacksonville now, and we need to bump into each other, and God always helps me bump into people. So, God, I'm just throwing that out there that I haven't bumped into him yet. But, you know, Damon Stoudemire, Fred Taylor, since I was a kid, just because that would be for me. Uh, who else on the in the sports world would I put up? See, I have people in the entertainment one that I put there too. So in the in the sport, if I'm just answering a sports one, I would say, oh, this is tough. <laughs> I would say I would say Magic Johnson. Okay, I put Magic up there. So there I'd ask him what his magic pills are that have kept him alive because. He, I think I was 10 years old when he went into, when he sat on the bleachers in that gym with the spotlight and told everybody he had HIV, but he's still alive. So he's right. like a medical miracle. So I want to talk to him. So Magic, Damon, Fred, I got to pick one more. <clears throat> Who would that be? Well, go entertain. You can go entertain. Give me your, give me your top entertainer. Oh, my top yeah, entertainer. Man. So, well, so I would want to sit down. Jeez, I would have a ton of comedians, but if I had my entertainment route, Mount Rushmore, Kevin Hart would be sitting there. Uh, I would have Jim Carrey, Kevin Hart, ugh, Bernie Mac and Robin Williams passed oh, away, okay. but they would be on there before. So Robin would be there for sure. Bernie would be there. So if it's living, it would be Kevin Hart, Jim Carrey, Robert De Niro, although he's like very angry these days. But but Bobby De Niro, I put Bobby out there, and and ooh, there's got to be one more. There's got to be one more. Who would it be? Who would it be? Probably. Oh damn. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Okay, there you go. There you go. Oh, that's, oh, that's an awful one right there. There you go. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be Dave Chappelle because I do. I've done impressions my whole life, and and uh, Dave Chappelle. A lot of his characters have become in my wheelhouse. In my wheelhouse. So. Uh, you know, all the guys, uh, Tyrone Biggums from Chappelle's show, all that. So Chappelle's show is like, I can quote that every day in my life. So yeah, Dave, Dave's got to be up there. I like Dave. 
There you go. Good. Hey, well, great job. Great job. That was, that, was, that, was, that was fun. That was a little tougher than I thought. But yeah, was it was. It was tough, man. See, I'm not. I'm not. I try to get used to it, but I'm not. See, you got me, D. You got me on live radio. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. That's all right. But I, I appreciate it as always, and I thank you for all your time. I can't wait to have you back on soon, and and hopefully we get some we get some FaceTime in the uh, in the not too distant future because you're. Somebody I've always respected, and I told you when you left Syracuse that I'd always be in your corner, and uh, you have you have kept that up on your side too by being here this morning. So thank you for that. Absolutely, I enjoyed it, man. And, and, and best wishes to you. Keep doing your thing, man. If you need some, don't hesitate to give me a shout. I appreciate that. Listen, keep winning, and, and send me a Absolutely. Utah State shirt. Let me get let me get okay. one of those. Let me get that. I, I, <laughs> I, I got you. I, I got you hooked up, man. Well, hey, have a wonderful day. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. All right, take care, D. Yeah, bye. That coming from the Utah State Aggies running back coach used to be the running back coach at Syracuse, who is an integral part of recruiting some of the players that are at Syracuse successful right now at eight and three today, including Mo Neal. DeAndre Smith. So we'll take a step aside here for a quick, fast break. And one of those coaches that coached with DeAndre is going to be on the show right after this as well. That is Joe Adam, who is the offensive line coach at Syracuse, who's now the head coach at St. Anselm with the Hawks. This is a wake-up call, fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. So look professional, look good, and feel good. Outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company.
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. It is always my honor and my privilege to feature the voices of the sports world on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and beyond. You know that our tagline is where sports meets life, and I take that very personally every single day, hence why I made that the, the statement of my company so many years ago. And a few years back, Joe Adam was coaching, you know, alongside DeAndre Smith. And that staff, you know, I got to build so many good relationships, got to talk to these guys sometimes on a weekly basis. And I I told him, I said, no matter what happens, wherever you go, I'm there. It doesn't matter what the team is. It doesn't matter what level it's at. It doesn't matter whatever the heck you're doing. You got me in your corner forever. And these gentlemen have, have given me that back as well. And I cannot thank them enough for it. So it is with great pleasure and great gratitude that God has put me in front of good people like this man. Joe Adam is here with me, offensive line coach when he was at Syracuse, which is how we met, and is now the head coach. I just finished up his third season with the St. Anselm Hawks. So with that being said, Joe, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Joe, I, I got to say to you really, though, uh, truly, you know, you, you're one of those people out there in the world that keeps their word and keeps their connections and, and builds those bonds. So, you know, what I said in the intro there, intro there I don't say anything unless I mean it. And I, I really do want to thank you for the, for the human being that you are above everything else. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I know we get judged by wins and losses and, uh, you know, that, that's kind of our resume as coaches. Uh, but, uh, I think if you look deeper and, and, and into the things that, that, that I believe in in my life, uh, I believe in, in treating people correctly and, and being, you know, treating people with class. And that's, uh, that's how I was at Syracuse. It's how I am right now. And it's probably how I'll always be. Hey, coming from Joe Adam here with us this morning at St. Anselm Hawks. Some trying times this season in your third season with the Hawks. You know that this is going to be a, a building time. You had said to me off the air, you know, you obviously have a lot of young guys. So just to speak with me about the process. Because you brought it up how, you know, when you are a coach, it is, what have you done for me lately? But it takes time. So it's always the balance of a fan base wanting to win every day, right now, in this moment. And then you understanding the fact that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And for goodness sakes, they said that God took a bunch of days to make the world, and, and that's God. So, you know, when you look at the reality of it all, it doesn't all happen overnight. And a lot of things that happen overnight, things that come easily usually leave just as easily so just what you could say about staying in the process and understanding the fact that if you build something really quick and really fast it's probably not going to last for a long time but when you go through the fire and you build through that 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 torch stays burning for a long time yeah i mean uh, you know we all have to go through the struggle sometimes uh, to to get to the finish line and uh you know, it's no different here. When we took over, uh, I knew it was going to be a, a little bit of a challenge, and uh, it, has, it has been that. Uh, you know, uh, there's no difference in the in the way I've worked and how many hours I've worked. I probably have actually worked a little bit more uh, because I'm the head coach here. But uh, um, you know, ultimately, I'm responsible for 93 players and 10 coaches, and um, you know, in every facet of their lives. And you know, we've we've had a cultural shift here. Uh, we've got kids that love football. We've got high academic ch- achievers here. So, you know, it, it uh, the, the challenge is, is, and no different than than my first year at Syracuse and, and second year is, 
um, they're just young, you know, and, and young players, um, you know, need to go through the fire a little bit, need, need to experience uh, some things. It's no different than, uh, you know, when, when you're a parent and you and you tell your children, uh, this, you know, that stove is hot, don't touch it, and they touch it because they want to see what you're talking about, well, um, it's it, that's type of the type of analogy that I'm talking about with with us too, and uh, you, you you preach them not to make this particular mistake, and and then it happens in the game, and you just have to learn from it. You have to teach from it, and uh, so we've had tremendous growth. Our, our guys are getting stronger in the weight room. Um, they're uh, they're doing better academically than I ever have uh, since I've been here, and uh, that's, a, that's a credit to our coaching staff and the people that are around them, and. Um, you know, uh, there, there's progress. I know people don't look at that and see that in the record, but uh, the people that are close to this program and, and the administration uh, see what we're trying to do here. And uh, it's not an easy fix. Uh, it's not a junior college fix. It's not a four-year transfer fix. Uh, this place is a very uh, prestigious academic institution, and uh, it's, it takes a special fit to, to make it here. So uh, we found uh, that we have a lot of young guys. We have percent of our current roster is freshmen sophomores so um, I'm encouraged about what is to be ahead we have no uh, seniors in offensive line we have no juniors in offensive line so uh, they're all they're all uh, guys that uh, that came in when, when we came in so uh, my hats have been off to the seniors that have stuck with us here and believed in the process and the guys that uh, you know uh, are currently here it's been about 13 weeks since my second class came in into this uh, into this program, so um, I'm excited about where we're going to be going. And when you look at that as a coach, like you said, you know where you're going to be going and, and what you're striving for and, and what your desires are. You know, just what you could say about you navigating through the process and how Saint Anselm College has been with you. You know, do they believe? in the journey do they believe in the you know it takes time and and in the process how has your relationship been with the school and and just kind of you know sharing expectations and finding common ground yeah i'd say um you know the first thing that our kids do here is uh uh, they have great reputations here on campus uh we do things the right way uh, they treat people with class and respect. That's something that I believe in and something that I've asked them to carry uh, along with them. And, uh, yeah, I think that's shown around campus. And uh, I think people have a little bit more understanding when, you know, when there's good people at the helm and, and uh, they understand that we're still young and we're just going through it together. So uh, I work for a dynamic, a absolutely dynamic athletic director. His name is Darren Montgomery. Uh, he and I are on the same wavelength. We don't accept average. We, we make each other better. He works uh, probably just as many hours or more than I do. Um, so we're always uh, we're always scratching the surface on, on different uh, things that continue to make our program better. And uh, whether it be personnel or or things that are in our control that we can we can do here. And you know, uh, I can't speak for the uh, the administration part of it, but. Uh, uh, I, I believe we have great support here, and uh, and they want to see us do well. That coming from Joe Adam, who was here at Syracuse as the offensive line coach and is now in, finished up his third season at St. Anselm with the Hawks. 
to look at some of the guys that you had, I know that one of the biggest things that you and I spoke about is that you recruited an entire offensive line to Syracuse. You recruited Aaron Roberts and Cody Conway, Colin Byrne, Evan Adams, Andreas Jurig. Just, just what you could say. I mean, that takes so much work, and any you know the the next coaching staff and whatnot. You know, they they reap the benefits of of your recruitment. And I talked to DeAndre Smith about this too with Mo Neal. Just, you know, what you could say about bringing these guys in because you brought in and you were tasked with bringing in an entire offensive line as the line that Syracuse had been used to and the line that had been successful had slowly but surely gone away. The Sean Hickey's, the Justin Pugh's, and, and what, and the Nick Shabanes and Mackie McPherson's and, 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 and whatnot. So as, as that shifted, you were tasked with bringing in the whole five and you did that with one class. Just what you can say about about that, and and do you keep in touch with the guys, and, and just kind of, you know, your thought process process on that? Because as a coach, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Sometimes, yet you know you're a big part of of the success that Syracuse has had because you recruited the guys that have really pushed to lead the charge at times. Yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's a little bit bittersweet, uh, you know, for 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 us. Um, you know, being able to create those relationships that, uh, that we had, uh, you know, we were in, when we were in New York and, um, and then, uh, just watching them, uh, watching them flourish has been the fun part for me, but also the disappointment because, uh, I'm not there to watch it, you know, and, and be part of it. So, um, but, uh, I do keep uh, track with those guys. Um, first and foremost, the entire group is a bunch of great young men. And uh, they come from great families, and and they believed in something, and they believed in where we were going uh, as as a program, and uh, and the core values that that you know that Syracuse stands for. And uh, I think uh, I think the current staff, Coach Babers, and 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 the staff have done a tremendous job in developing those guys and and adding pieces along the way. Uh, I watched a lot of the the games this year. Um, you know, when I've had time and, uh, and keeping track with some of the guys and, uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's really fun to see because, uh, you know, you, you saw them as, you know, 18 year olds and now those guys are all older and their bodies have changed and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're becoming young men. And, and that's, that's, that's what we get into this, this deal for. And, uh, they've had a great run this year. It's been exciting to watch them, uh, to see it get done. And, and, uh, Coming from Joe Adam, a former Syracuse offensive line coach responsible for bringing in a whole new slew of offensive linemen a few years back that are reaping the benefits and having success, or Syracuse, I should say, reaping the benefits of them coming in. You're connected to Central New York for another reason, too. 
you're part of the Northeast 10 Conference, which also has LeMoyne College in it. LeMoyne doesn't have a football team, but there is that connection. What can you say about the Northeast 10 that, you know, I've learned about over the years and teams like Southern Connecticut, American International, and Stonehill, Bentley, Merrimack, Assumption, Pace, LIU Post, New Haven, you know, there, there's some good teams within this, and I know on the basketball side they've created some awesome things. What's the football conference been like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's been really good. Uh, you know, you get uh, you get some homegrown uh, Division II talent here. Some, some, some of the teams in our league have some, you know, bounce-back transfers or junior college players. So, you know, every week it, it's going to be a dogfight, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a bunch of, of guys that are very well coached. Uh, the coaches in the league have had uh, a pretty good long run tenure-wise. Uh, I want to say I'm probably still the, the youngest tenure-wise in the league. Um, but, um, you know, uh, it's it's going to change a little bit with, with now LIU Post and Merrimack going into the NEC. Our league will change a little bit. Uh, it's always been a great basketball conference. And, uh, you know, I know speaking for us here, I mean, we, we made to the, we're the national runner-up in women's softball last year. Our volleyball team has made the, the NCAA tournament two years in a row. Um, you know, our field hockey team is, is fantastic. Our women's ice hockey team is fantastic uh, right now. So uh, overall, general-wise, it, it's a really all-around great sports league. Um, here as uh, in the Division Two world, you know, where there's a lot of Division Three schools and a lot of one double A's here in the Northeast. So, um, you know, and that's that's a, a credit to to the league, you know. And we had we had two uh, teams, our top two teams, uh, went into the Division Two playoffs here this past weekend. So, it speaks volumes. Uh, you know, I think uh, I want to say the three years I've been here, we probably had, I know at least twice we've had the, the top two teams in this league go. So that speaks volumes about the the type of ball that we're playing here. And, and I want to do something here, and obviously with the Northeast Ten and moving forward, and hoping for you know success with the Saint Anselm Hawks and with everything that you're doing. I wanna I wanna do something I just did with DeAndre. You and I have never gotten to play this before, but for years on my show I've had a segment called Rapid Fire, and it has nothing to do with sports. I could throw anything at you. You could throw anything at me. That's the kicker: is that the interviewer becomes the interviewee so to speak, which I don't know any other broadcasters that put themselves in this position, but I'm willing to, Joe, because you've known me a while and I think you're good people, so don't change that thought in my head. But with that, with that being said, I'm going to ask you three questions, then you're going to ask me three. Are you ready to play rapid fire? Sure, let's roll. All right, fair enough. So my first question for you is, if there's any song in this world that describes you and your life, what would that song be and why? Um, hmm. that's a good question. Uh, it'd probably be the kids always give me a funny time. I did this during camp. Uh, there's a song called BMF by Rick Ross. I'm a big Rick Ross fan. I believe in uh, getting that hyped up for uh for the old pregame, and uh, it uh, stands for blowing money fast. So, uh, I, <laughs> whether I've done that in my life or not, I just I like the tune and it gets me pumped up. All right, fair enough. You like Ricky Rose. I appreciate that. The next the next one I have for you is if you had to choose one of these two professions, which one do you trust yourself to be the best at? A comedian or a singer? Uh probably a singer. I was actually in choir when I was in high school, so 
Uh, I've been known to, to belt out a little bit, but uh, uh, comedy is not my not my <laughs> shtick. I have to be in the right frame of mind, man, and I'd probably get booed off the stage. <laughs> All right, fair enough. My, <laughs> my last question for you is, I want to keep this one. I gave this one to DeAndre. I want to keep this one. Give me something on your bucket list that you believe you can achieve within the next year. Fair enough. Win the Northeast 10. That's what I believe. Okay. Yeah. I like it. All right, you got three for me, Coach. I'm on the hot seat. This is live radio. I have no idea what's coming. Go ahead. All right, so if you're going to pick one spot to eat in Syracuse, all right, and you only have one choice, where are you going? Oh, this is so Could tough. Come spot now. I know. And see, I have I have a bunch of companies I work with, so you're not. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, I would have, you know what, I, I'm I'm Italian and, and Hispanic, and and I just, I would have to say because I just I love my culture. We might actually have Egyptian blood too because my family had relations from Italy to Egypt. So we I, we got I got to look into that because I've never had Egyptian food. But I would have to say that uh, for me, it would have to be Utica Pizza Company because I love chicken riggies and Italian wedding soup. And I just, I mean, I, I could have Italian food all day, every day. So I would have to say Utica Pizza Company. Everybody else, please forgive me. It's Joe Adams' fault, not my fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe, what else you got for me? You got two more. All right, second question is if you had, to, uh, if you had one spot, uh, one destination to travel to by plane, uh, where would that be? I have three, Hawaii, Spain, and Italy. Spain and Italy be- to see my family. Hawaii because I really want Syracuse's bowl game to be in Hawaii so I can have an excuse to go to Hawaii because I've never go. been there. So send go. me to Hawaii <laughs> committee wherever you are. Just let it be. That's okay. I'm good with it. Uh, my last one. Okay, so your last one for me is what? All right, so you have the golden ticket to see one band or a musical act in concert, who is that one band or, or musician you're going to see? Ooh. Well, I love Journey, and I saw Journey twice. So I would say... Mm, I would say Aerosmith. I would say Boys to Men I've seen, but I want to see them again. So I, I would say boys to men because I have a singing voice too, and I trained myself on boys to men stuff when I was like eight years old. So let there me <laughs> let me say let me say boys to men and uh, and Aerosmith. I'll go with that. Coach, I mean Joe, seriously, you you your questions came out faster than mine did. So we've never played this before, but no. you're way prepared for this. No, I, I had no uh, clue you're going to ask me. Anything. But you're good at uh, this. You're you're quick no, on my, the trigger. My mind my mind, uh, my mind works very quickly. And I like that. See, that you would think that maybe someday in your life you should be a head coach. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, uh, Joe Adam right here, awesome, awesome guy. Appreciate him. And now, uh, now DeAndre Smith's on the clock to get me some Utah State stuff because I got a care package from Joe Adam. So uh, I appreciate it as always, Joe. If there's any new Saint Anselm stuff you want to send my way, you send it over. I'll I'll don it for you. But. Let's let's get what you want to get. Let's get this Northeast 10 in the future. 
you always know I'm in your corner. You know I'm hoping for you, and it's always a blessing to talk with you. It's good people in this world. You're one of them, and uh, and you keep me focused on my dreams and my task at hand. So thank you for that. Appreciate it, Dan, and just want to wish uh, you know the uh, Orange uh, the best of luck in their final game and then their bowl preparation. I'm excited for those guys, and uh, just want to continue to see them do well. Well, that's coming from a coach with. Just a great, uh, great outlook on life and a lot of appreciation. And I know that Syracuse fans should have appreciation for you too and all the work that you put in to help them get to where they are today. So thank you for that, Joe, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, Dan. Have a great Thanksgiving. All right, you too. Take all care. Right. Bye-bye. I, I had to get off. I had to get off the air. I had to get off the air from him. And Joe was way too quick. He was way too good at man trying to take my job. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But Joe was good. Was he not awesome with that? He was awesome. So we're going to stick around a little bit longer because we got to get on the prowl. We got to talk about the Jaguars and UCF. Jason Lucas is coming up next, folks. Don't go anywhere. We normally end at 11 o'clock. We're going to end probably past 11.30 today, but that's because we love you. We'll take a fast break. We'll be back with on the prowl coverage of the Jaguars. UCF Knights talk so much more. Coming up with Jason Lucas in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to Canine Campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course the luxury cabin because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pickup times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. 
The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. My reactions to the Jacksonville Jaguars game originally were, what the f***? Are you f***ing kidding me? Could this actually f***ing happen? I don't get it. How is, how? How are three and outs? You're up 16 to 6. How does this happen? F***ing bullshit. With that being said, welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com <laughs> backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are on the prowl, Jacksonville Jaguars talk every single Monday show following a game, and we even do it outside of the season. I would say we do it in the postseason, but the way they're playing right now, they're not going to have to worry about that. They're 3-7. and seven. They need to get better. I have Jason Lucas on the show. He's here to talk me down. People have said before that I am their therapist on this show. Well, today, this morning, you are mine on Monday, November 19th, and Jason's going to help me. He's allowed me to sit on his couch this morning, and I appreciate it tremendously. Jay Bird, how we doing? Well, I guess a good Christian boy can have the worst brought out and then meet with a little bit of bad luck at the, at the football game, huh? <laughs> What what a great what a great football game. By the way, that that bleep thing before, I actually said I, I said turkey, I said sausage, I said uh, apple juice. I don't think I mean I, I I'm pretty sure I didn't I didn't swear though. I mean the bleep, I, you never know what what I actually said because the bleep protects me. Uh, yeah, no, Lee Corso didn't cuss yesterday either on college game day when he was referring to UCF fans and what they think about everything they have to say about how we don't deserve to be where we are. Yeah, that's always exciting and it's always fun. Let's start. You know what? Let's let's do let's do bad news first, good news second. That's that's how it needs to be. Hey mom and dad, good news is I got home safe. Bad news is the car didn't. It's in a ditch. But there, you know, good news, bad news. That's that's how you got to play it. So, let's do let's do the bad news first. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 3 and 7. The Jacksonville Jaguars came into the game 3 and 6. They defeated the Patriots for the first time ever in the regular season ever. They played the New, New England Patriots 13 times in their history. 
They've defeated the Patriots twice, one of them being this season. They had never defeated them in the regular season, only in the playoffs. They had never defeated Tom Brady, but they did that this season. So we look at the historical, monumental, beautiful moment, the enacting of revenge, avenging the loss in the AFC Championship game, only to lose and then lose and then lose and then go overseas and lose and then lose and then lose again and then take a break and then lose again. So we are where we are right now. This team arguably had the best defense in the country coming into the season, arguably had pretty much all that it took to get into the Super Bowl, and now we sit here today with a 3-7 and team at the bottom of the AFC South division with the Colts, who aren't that great, and the Titans, who are back and forth, and the Texans, who only look good because the rest of the division typically sucks. So the Jaguars, who should have been Super Bowl contenders, who should have been the best defense in the country, who should have been doing enough because they brought everybody back on defense and added this and added that, they should have been able to move the ball, but they've dealt with injuries on the offensive line and Leonard Fournette and Austin Severian Jenkins at tight end and Marquise Lee at wide receiver and so on and St. Corey Grant with special teams and running back and so on and so forth. So a lot of bad things have happened, things out of their control. But I give you that very long intro to say to you, what in the Sam hell is going on in a year where the Jaguars are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender? They can't even contend in their own division. I open the door to you, Jason Lucas. Well, man, I, I mean, I, I thought they played pretty well for about fifty-seven minutes today. Uh, there was, I mean, this was this was going to be happy. This, there's a lot of writers in Jacksonville right now hitting the backspace button because they had already written the Jaguars' defense is back. They're going to be back in the AFC South race. This is the team that's going to get it all the way back to ten and six, and we're going to get to the playoffs. But. Big Ben works some magic, and sometimes you just run into a team having a magical season. Big Ben works his magic. Uh, they get a little break there at the end when he throws an interception on a, you could say, questionable call. Some would say obvious. I'm not really sure which way it should have gone, but it did go their way. And uh, he gets he gets off the hook from the pick that he threw there, and he ends up making the play that wins the game. So, I mean, it's unfortunate for the Jaguars, because they played, like I said, a great 57 minutes of that game. The defense was back, forced all those turnovers, did all that stuff that we talked about last week they weren't doing, forced the turnovers, pressured the quarterback, did everything great for 57 minutes. Unfortunately, two drives at the end of the game, and everybody goes home sad, and you got people hitting the backspace button in Jacksonville today. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, this defense and what they were able to do you know, it did feel like, you know, that, that this was a potential turnaround, that this was a, a potential huge moment because when we when we see, you know, what they did in this game and how they played in this game, you know, they, they took – they didn't just take the Steelers who are a good team and a Steelers team who is electric and a Steelers team that is, you know, that is that has done so much and achieved so much and, and been so much, you know, this season. They, they, they took a team that has – arguably one of the best offenses in the country. They, they took a team that has James Conner, who stepped up in the absence of Le'Veon Bell, and Juju Smith-Schuster, who would be a number one on another team if not for having Antonio Brown, and two capable tight ends in Vance McDonald and Jesse James. And then you look at DeCastro and Pouncey and so on and so forth on the offensive line, and the defense has stepped it up, and, and they've played better. I mean, this team has gone from, what are they going to be without Le'Veon Bell, to, oh my God, I can't believe that they tied with the 
Cleveland Browns Brown. to start off the season at 21 in overtime to, you know, what they become today. I mean, th- this is a team that is hands down one of the best offenses in the nation. And, you know, if not for teams like the Saints and teams like the Rams, but Jacksonville had them. They had them on the ropes. I mean, it's like you said, it's the backspace button. It's it's the thought of, of seeing this game and thinking that most people went up and got something to drink and came downstairs and the world had flipped upside down. This was supposed to be the Jaguars coming back into the fray. Instead, it's the Steelers on a six-game winning streak. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And the Steelers, I think, are a mirror image of Mike Tomlin, their head coach. Uh, you know, he was very boisterous after the game. You saw him pounding his chest, and he was real excited because, I mean, you know, they were hearing it from not only the Jaguars players but the fans there on their sidelines. So, definitely a vindication moment for them to come back and get that win. Obviously, that's big for them. Keeps them top of their division. Uh, they're going to be the favorites to win that division, the AFC North now. So, I mean. Obviously, big win for the Steelers. That's just what you have to do. You know, as a veteran football team with the game on the line, you got to sometimes find a way, you know, to get back and win it. The Jaguars are a young team. You know, they'll bounce back from this. It's like we talked about last week. You know, sometimes you're just having a rough season, and that's kind of how things are going in Jacksonville. No matter what they do, they're still losing games, uh, you know. I know you have some things to, coming up to say about Blake Bortles. So, you know. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way, and you get to go home pissed off like most of the fans did in Jacksonville today. Speaking here with Jason Lucas, a good buddy of mine has been on both sides of the coin, inside of an organization with public relations and dealing with the media, and then on the outside as a media member. So I always appreciate his time and uh, also, uh, more than anything, his, his friendship and the fact that his two daughters are not just his two daughters, but thankfully, by the grace of God, even though I am – an only child that I have. Uh, I have two nieces down in Florida. So shout out to Carly and Gracie, and uh, and obviously to Kristen as well. So when we look at this game and we look at what happened in this game, Jalen Ramsey did a lot of great things, and it's the first time ever in his career in the NFL. They had he had multiple interceptions in a game. He knocked down passes. AJ Boye batted down passes. Yet at the end of the game, like you said, people hearing it. Ben Roethlisberger said right after the game, you know, I heard a lot of trash talking from these guys. Number 21, number 20, number 50, to name a few. And number 21 is A.J. Boye. Number 20 is Jalen Ramsey. Number 50 is Telvin Smith. So, you know, Ben said it just felt good to get one. He took a little jab, took a little shot, you know, a warning shot over the bow a little bit there, kind of saying, you know, hey, guys, I heard you, and dot, dot, dot. It was really good to get a win after all of that and, and called them out but didn't say their name just said their numbers. So, you know, just your thoughts on that. You know, the fact that, you know, Ben was so happy, so elated. Uh, you could see that the emotion that this game had had taken out of him to get to where he was. And like you said, Mike Tomlin, they treated this game like this was the AFC divisional round game uh, being replayed, essentially, from last season where they lost to the Jaguars in Pittsburgh. So, you know, just what you could say about Ben's response and, and Ben, Ben, you know, kind of, taking that little jab of saying, I heard you, Talvin, I heard you, Jalen, I heard you, AJ, but at the end of the day, uh, we just took a victory from you in Jacksonville. We get to get on the plane and take this with us. You don't get to keep it. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben's got to be frustrated. Uh, I was I was starting to think during the game that 
if things don't work out with Bortles, maybe they could sign Big Ben because Big Ben throws to more Jaguars than he does Steelers <laughs> yeah. when they play. Because the last three times they've played, how many picks has he thrown, Dan? 14? 14 picks? Somewhere in that? Hold, hold on. 5, 4, and 4, or 13, 14? Anyways, no, let me finish my point. So Big Ben's frustrated. Obviously, he's frustrated with that Jaguars defense. So he had to feel some vindication, some, you know, Steve Young, somebody take the monkey off my back kind of feeling. So I, I really think that Big Ben needed that comeback for his career, for him to even feel comfortable maybe at the end of this season calling it quits because he almost didn't come back after the Jaguars did what they did to him last year in the AFC Divisional round. So obviously that was his moment to take a jab and and he took it and good for him you know it was a gutty performance by him like i said the last two drives he did what he had to do to win the game the jaguars that last play they read that last play that was supposed to be a little pitch to the tight end it was just going to be a little shovel pass that they covered i saw number 91 came around and covered the tight end so big ben did what he had to do and snuck it in the end zone but the end of the day, that was his time to take a jab, and and he took it. <laughs> and and the thing is, you know, when we look back at this, and like you said, how many interceptions he did? He did throw three interceptions in this game to only two passing touchdowns. Had three picks in the game. Those three picks that he threw in the game got him to ten interceptions. But he technically it would have been five picks. And how many times does a quarterback that throws five interceptions win games? Just ask Blake Bortles. It's pretty much never. So, you know, it, it's it's a situation where Ben threw three, could have been called for five, and, you know, he has ten on the season so far. So, you know, not, not pretty numbers by Ben Roethlisberger by any stretch of the imagination, but he said, you know, his team bailed him out. They did what they needed to do to get him where he needed to be and, you know, obviously put him on his back. But at the end of the game, in the end zone, I mean, we, we see – the Steelers in the Jaguars' red zone, they're right in front of it. I mean, they're a few yards out. And the Jaguars get flagged for a face mask, uh, grabbing on Ryan Switzer, and then, you know, DJ Hayden doing that. And then they get flagged A.J. Boye for holding. I-, I don't remember a time at the end of the game on a final play or the final 10 seconds or 20 seconds. I don't remember ever why. I mean, in 15 years of doing this thing and counting, I don't remember that many penalties happening in the end zone. I just remember, you know, guys just being tight, and maybe they're maybe this guy's pulling a little bit here, this guy's pulling a little bit there, and they're trying to throw a fade to the outside. You've covered football for a really long time. Are you are you used to seeing so many penalties when a team's five yards out or two yards out? Yeah, I mean, I I actually am, but it's because I have that arena football league experience with Jay Gruden, where he used to look at his defensive backs, and and his signal for the defense was. So essentially, what just happened on the show is that Jay Gruden was listening. We love you, Jay. And as soon as Jason was about to tell his secrets, it beeped out. I don't think it gets more perfect than that. And Jay Gruden's signal on the defense was boop, boop, boop. That was it was perfect. So let's try to do it again. And, and this time, Jay Gruden, don't shut, don't cut the line of Jason Lucas. All right, go ahead. Okay, so Jay's signal to the defense was a holding signal that the referee gives. His signal for the play they were going to run was basically hold them because they don't get the time back. So basically, quarterback goes back to throw. You hold every one of the receivers. The clock's going, going, going. They throw the ball. They get the holding penalty. But the ball doesn't move because it's inside the one anyway. 
So you're basically daring them to run the ball, and that's kind of what Jacksonville did there at the end of the game. They dared them to run the ball, and if Big Ben had come up short, nobody was signaling timeout. They, they showed the reaction of everybody. Tomlin, the running back on the side, James Conner was right there in front of the official. When the official didn't stick his arms up right away, you need to be signaling timeout. None of them were. The clock could have ran out, and they would have only, if they had gotten the timeout, had to kick the field goal at that point. So the Jaguars played that exactly right, except for that one inch where Roethlisberger got over the goal line. And here's the question that I have for you, Mr. Lucas. Big Ben, and I said this right after it happened, if you see Big Ben go down where he falls – he loses possession of the ball. The ball bounces. He loses. He's on the white. He's not across the goal line. Then he bounces, and the ball bounces over. He bounces and then holds on to it in the end zone. And that play, I said, if this was Jesse James, his tight end from last season, it's an incomplete pass. It's not a touchdown. Ben Roethlisberger gets called for the touchdown. Big Ben in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks got called for a touchdown where he didn't cross the goal line, or the ball didn't cross the goal line. His helmet did. So was this a touchdown? Because according to the rules of last year, at least this would be and this would be a non-touchdown by Jesse James, but it's a touchdown for Big Ben. If you go back and watch it, he falls on that white of the goal line. The ball bounces. He doesn't have possession, and then he holds on to it as he gets pushed into the end zone. What did you see? So wait, you're saying he threw the ball to himself? I'm saying that he somehow fumbled the ball to himself in a way. Oh, I mean, I, I thought he was good. I, I thought all the angles they showed showed that he was in the air, and as soon as the nose of the ball crosses the goal line, so even before he hit the ground. Right, but last year with Jesse James, the, the nose more than crossed it, and they still said it was incomplete. Oh, sure, but that was a pass. So you're, you're just saying that he somehow fumbled the ball, but that's not a forward pass. Right. So what I'm what I'm essentially saying is I'm trying to show the NFL that they screwed the Steelers last year, but then that helped the Steelers this year. And the reality of it all is once you cross the goal line, it should be a touchdown. So I'm not taking anything away from Ben. I was joking, not joking, that if that was Jesse James, that would have been called off. I got you. Okay. Well, yeah, he definitely got in. That's. I mean, that was a my view of it, he definitely got in, but if he didn't get in, man, I, I don't know what would have happened there if he would have gotten the timeout called in time. So it's just the craziness of it all. Here's another crazy thing. Why didn't they run the ball with James Conner? Well, they had the one timeout. I mean, it was it was there to be done. I mean, he's on my fantasy team, so you know I'm sitting there going, give it to Conner, at least, you know, give him a shot to get in, but they didn't give it to him. They, You know, I mean, the play they had drawn up was probably – a safe play to run just because it's an incomplete pass if you flip that to the tight end and it's dropped or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's essentially a running play, but it's an incomplete pass. So it kind of takes the responsibility away from calling timeout. And so Ben kind of made a unilateral decision there to run the ball, and when he did that, he was lucky to get in. Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking here with Jason Lucas on the prowl inside a wake-up call with Dan Tortora here on Monday as we do on the prowl to start off the second hour of the show. I'm happy that... Jay is here with us today. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles came into the game with 12 touchdowns and 8 interceptions on the season. And then that man they call Blake Bortles in this game had no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was 10 of 18 with 104 yards. They ran the ball 43 times 
They only threw the ball 18 times. This is who the Jaguars are. That's who they wanted to be all season with Leonard Fournette. I mean, this is this is the reality of it all. I mean, this this is what the team wanted. This is how the team plays. This is what Nate Hackett was planning for. And Leonard Fournette was a leading receiver. He was a leading running back on the team. He finished the game with 141 all-purpose yards and had a touchdown in the game on the ground. You know, they, they were playing good defense, running the ball. That's what they want to be. Blake doesn't have to be elite. I have this conversation all the time when people tell me he's not an elite quarterback and I said he doesn't have to be. But, you know, just what your takeaways are from this. The Pittsburgh Pittsburgh ran the ball 11 times for 26 yards. They threw 47 passes. The almost exact opposite are the 18 passes from the Jaguars and 43 runs. Just what you took away from that. Jacksonville leaned on the run. It seemingly was working. It seemingly was happening. Leonard Fournette seemingly, hopefully, is healthy now. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Blake is going to get blamed for everything, yet his numbers aren't bad. He just you know, made some mistakes at the end of the game. But he did not throw an interception in this game. And the Jaguars did what was expected of them, to play old-school football running through the trenches. Yeah, man. I mean, I really thought, this is what I thought of the game more than anything, is that the Jaguars did what they're supposed to do. They ran the ball with Leonard Fournette. They really used the stable of backs that they have to set the tone, to chew up the clock, to go down the field. Unfortunately, I mean, nobody took a snap inside the opponent's 20-yard line until there was 10 minutes left in the third quarter when the Steelers finally got in the red zone. So, I mean, it was a rough game, but the other thing, the other side of the coin for Bortles, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is the receivers getting any separation. I mean, when he goes back to pass, he's looking at covered receivers. There's nowhere for him to even throw the ball. I think Tony Romo said that a couple times during the game. He's watching it, and he's like, I mean, as a quarterback, where, where am I going to go? So, you know, it's, it's tough whether you're Blake Bortles or whether you're Tom Brady. If your receivers are covered, it's really hard to just say, all right, well, I'm going to throw them open. I mean, you know, it's kind of a miracle that he didn't throw any interceptions today. He even had one pass, Dan, where his guy was covered so much he tried to force it in there. Sidearm, the ball gets tipped and ends up at the other receiver's hands and caught. So, like, these guys are covered like crazy, especially against good defense like Pittsburgh. But, I mean, the receivers have got to win. They've got to get more separation because teams are going to get in the box to stop Leonard Fournette in that running game. They're going to put eight, nine guys in the box, and they're going to dare those receivers to win against their defensive backs. If they're not winning, the Jaguars aren't winning. Yeah, and that's the craziness of all this is that, again, Blake Bortles gets blamed for – there's all the injuries on the, you know, everybody on the offensive line's been injured at some point. Two left tackles lost for the season, the starter and the backup. Leonard Fournette out the majority of the season, hadn't played a full game until last week. Then you look at the situation outside of all that. You're starting tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins is gone. Your backup tight end Niles Paul is gone, both injured. Corey Grant, your return guy, your specialist, your trick guy, he's gone. Then Marquise Lee was gone before the season even started. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns were gone due to transactions. So you take all of that away, and you say, oh, well, Blake Portal sucks. Okay, well, his line's not healthy. His blind side is not healthy. His running back is not healthy. His receivers are not healthy. These guys have not been asked to be number ones, and none of them have been number ones before. And... They lost this and they lost that, and then they brought in this. They brought in Niles Paul, doesn't matter, he's hurt. Brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins, doesn't matter, he's hurt. So I'm not trying to excuse 
the mistakes by Blake Bortles, but holy sweet Jesus, like you said, if you can't get open down the field, I don't give a crap who you are. How are you supposed to get the ball to anybody? So, you know, the, the problem with the Jaguars that they need to assess in the draft and moving forward is you need to find a number one, a number two, maybe a number three wide receiver. These are not bad guys. I know they're young guys. I know they could do some things, but there is not a key. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown were covered very well the majority of the day by the Jaguars. They're both number ones. Jesse James, number one tight end. Vance McDonald, number one tight end on the same team. So... You know, to me and my, and if Le'Veon Bell was there, you got a number one in James and a number one in Le'Veon. So, you know, the Jaguars, the blame always goes on the head coach, Doug Marone in this case, and the quarterback, Blake Bortles in this case. I know Blake is not perfect. I know Blake is not elite. I know Blake is not, you know, a guy that's, that's going to stay away from errors and whatnot all the time. But holy sweet Jesus, Big Ben threw three interceptions in this game. Blake didn't throw a single interception in this game. But it's hard to, like you said, it's hard to throw to receivers who can't get open, and it's hard to run an offense where your line is hurt, your running backs are hurt. In all, I mean, every sing, three different strings of running backs have been hurt. Multiple offensive linemen, multiple strings of tight end. I mean, this is the perfect storm of no control for the Jaguars. So, again, Blake Bortles is not perfect. Again, I am not saying he's Tom Brady. But holy crap, can you back off the man a little bit, people, in understanding the fact that he is trying to make do with whatever the hell he has, which seemingly does not feel like that much a lot of the time, and there is not a single number one wide receiver on this team, let alone a number two, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, you're absolutely right. I mean, with the injuries and everything, it's like we talked about last week, too. I mean, it's really hard for them to win anything with, the depth issues when you have nobody and, you know, like if anybody gets hurt during the game, you really have nobody to bring in either. So it's, it's a super tough season for the Jaguars. Obviously today's a tough pill to swallow because they had this game in hand. It felt like they were back a little bit, but unfortunately they just weren't able to pull it off. Before we let you go, speaking here with Jason Lucas inside of on the prowl, let's shift gears to UCF. The Knights are making it happen. You are, you were watching college game day, getting pumped for this, and now you are, you know, looking at the fact that uh, you know you got to you got to be at this game, you got to see this, you got to feel it. The team, like every other team in Division One A FBS college football, is supposed to play twelve games in the regular season. Storms affected them last year to play eleven. Storm has affected them this year to play eleven as well. They are ten and zero. College game day was there. Top 25 ranked Cincinnati. Top 25 ranked Central Florida. Central Florida wins the game going away 38-13 to in the matchup. They have one game left at South Florida, and then they will host the AAC Championship for the second season in a row at Spectrum Stadium in Orlando, Florida, and for the second season in a row. I will be there. Jay will be there as well. We will be watching this, and it's either going to be Memphis on the other end, which would be a, a replay of last year, or it's going to be Houston, who has fought to get back at it. Houston played in the first ever AAC championship just a couple seasons ago. So just your thoughts on this. UCF is 23-0 dating back to last season. They're 10-0 this season. Cincinnati's supposed to be a really good team. Cincinnati came in 9-1, chomping at the bit, hoping for an opportunity to get, you know, to, to show that the king can bleed, essentially, so Cincinnati could potentially get to the top of the American East standings. Them, Temple, and UCF are all doing a tremendous job this season, and South Florida not far behind them, all in the American East Division of the American Athletic Conference. McKenzie throws three touchdowns, no picks. They get a couple touchdowns on the ground. 
Mackenzie Milton gets one. Greg McRae gets one. Adrian Killens, or, yeah, Adrian Killens Jr. doing a bunch of different things. Two touchdowns receiving. Trey Nixon got a touchdown in the game. And then the defense came out and held him to less than two touchdowns of scoring. So your overall thoughts on UCF, who is now 23-0, 10-0 on the season. They are already going to be the East Division representative and the host of the American Athletic Championship game for the second year in a row. It seems like they can't do much of anything wrong, yet the respect is still not there. Yeah, Dan, you know, I, I feel like maybe they're coming around a little bit. Maybe maybe college game day, Herb Street and the crew coming in and kind of seeing, you know, the people around UCF, Danny White, who, you know, gets a bad rap because he wrote them a letter to try to help out the Power Six teams who are trying to get into the Power Five and trying to get serious consideration for this so-called playoff. Uh, I thought it was a great day for UCF yesterday with game day coming, a home game for Coach Corso that lives right down the street from me in Lake Mary. Uh, I thought it was an awesome day for UCF. It, it really, from beginning to end, I think, set an impression. When you saw college game day, they had memory mall packed with people. There wasn't a single person standing there without a sign in their hand, which was really impressive to me. As somebody that watches game day every Saturday, I mean, I could kind of gauge, like, wow, that was a lot of signs. And they were all, you know, pretty good taste. Obviously, Herb Street's had his things to say about UCF. And then he starts saying what he wanted to say again yesterday about how we need to start beating people or beat somebody or whatever. We're beating everybody, Kirk, and, and whatever. Of course, I stopped him right there and says, these people right here, they don't give a hump. This is what he said. So, impressive day for UCF from game day, then on to the game. Mackenzie Milton just goes out and does what he does. Yes, he came out, took a sack, fumbles, and they scored with it. He started the game 0 for 4. Things weren't looking good since he was looking good on defense at the beginning of the game. But here's what happened. Since he starts pressing UCS receivers, UCS receivers have a ton of speed and they can win, unlike what we were talking about with the Jaguars, they can win deep. And when you dare Mackenzie Milton to throw the deep ball, he'll throw it and he'll put it right where it needs to be for Snelson, Nixon, AK. Those guys get open deep and he can put it there for them. I thought the 38-13 win was very dominating and, and, and not even just Milton, I would be just completely crazy not to mention this defense that has had so much questioned about them. They pitch a shutout for the first three and a half quarters of that game until Cincinnati finally gets a garbage time touchdown to get 13 on the board. Just an overall great day for the brand of UCF yesterday, Dan. Yeah, UCF doing what they need to do and you know, a big, uh, big congratulations to UCF and everything that they've been able to put forward. I look forward to seeing with that, seeing them uh, very, very soon here. With that being said, I look forward to seeing this man as well very soon. That is Jason Lucas. Jason, as always, I appreciate you being a part of the show. I thank you for going through the bad news to get to the good, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, Ben. It'll be all right, buddy. Why, Benny? <laughs> <laughs> How I feel, man. <laughs> so I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Gracie's screaming her lungs out. I got to go. All right. I'll talk to you. All right, buddy. I love you. Take care. All right, love you, too. See you. This is a wake-up call fast break. News 
is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90 inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Totoro's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Gear up with the real deal at Dreising Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Want to put out a big-time thank you to everybody who tuned into the show today. Want to thank also Jason Lucas for going on the prowl with me with Jacksonville Jaguars Talk as well as Talk on Central Florida and being 23-0 and dating back to last season, changing coaching staffs, and it hasn't mattered. UCF is ranked in the top eight in the AP, the top nine in the coaches' poll, and should be getting some darn respect, if you ask me. We spoke on Syracuse. Weren't able to get Marvin Graves on the show, so we'll look to have him potentially on the broadcast tomorrow. We know that Marvin's been doing a lot of things out in the D.C. area, and so uh, we appreciate him. We look forward to having him on to the broadcast this week. I want to give a special thanks to Joe Adam, former Syracuse offensive line coach, 
who has been coaching and just finished up his third season as the head coach of the St. Anselm Hawks in the Northeast 10 Division II football. I want to give a special thanks as well to DeAndre Smith, who's coaching the D1 Mountain West Utah State Aggies, who if they defeat Boise State will win their end of the Mountain West and play in the Mountain West Championship game. They're ranked in the top 15 in both the AP and the coaches' polls. So I thank them. I thank Jason Lucas. I thank you for listening. And you can find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. God bless you. Be good. And you can find me today at the Home Team Pub. Today is the official opening. I've been there the last two days because friends and family have got a little special VIP because Joey's awesome. But Joey Khalil, great friend of mine. I love the guy. He has been talking about owning his own place for years, pretty much since I met him. And today is the official day that he opens his doors to Central and Upstate New York and everybody that's visiting. So come out and see me at 3 p.m. They will officially open today at 3 for the first time ever, Monday, November 19th, 3 p.m. The Home Team Pub opens its doors on Route 57. Come out and see us, and I will be there doing a special live broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora on site, on location. We'll be on Facebook Live on facebook.com backslash live now DT. We'll be here on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT, and we will be live for the people inside. So when the doors open for the Home Team Pub, for the first time ever in the history of Home Team Pub, pub who will be here forever, is uh, the beauty of the fact that I will be there. They open their doors at 3 p.m. today, Monday, November 19th, and my show will start at exactly 3 p.m. today when the doors open to you, to the public, for the first time ever. So I'll see you at Home Team Pub on Route 57 in Liverpool today. I'm so proud of you, Joey. I love you all, and God bless you. And to every member of the family, and a happy birthday to Joey's wife, Sarah. This is a great moment, and I pray and I hope and I wish nothing but the best for Joey and for Home Team Pub and for all of the vision. Good people should have every advancement and, and every opportunity in the world, and I hope that this opens so many doors for Joey and that it's only the best thing that's ever happened to him and continues to be the best thing that's happened to him on top of a lot of great things. So uh, I love you, brother. I can't wait to be there with you. And I can't say enough good words about you. So I'll see you at 3 p.m. at Home Team Pub on Route 57 in Liverpool. And from there, tomorrow's show for Tuesday, November 20th. We're going to have a lot of awesome things on the show. The Ingredients to Success, probably brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. And it's a Utica thing that is now in Wegmans. I've been holding out (laughs) saying Wegmans. And now they are officially in Wegmans. You could buy their stuff in Wegmans. The famous tomato pie is in Wegmans stores. Thank you to Charlie DeGristina, Phil Russo, and the whole team. And I also uh, will have Shamarco Thomas on the show. Shamarco, who's played this season with the Denver Broncos, he will join me on the broadcast tomorrow. And so much more will be coming up. So thank you so much for your love and appreciation and support. I cannot thank you enough. I can't wait to be at the Home Team Pub today. I'll see you there. Trivia Tuesdays are every Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the press room pub this week we are at 8 p.m because dino baber's show got moved earlier for thanksgiving so right after dino baber's finishes up i'll be starting immediately so i'm back to back with dino baber's at press room pub this week for trivia tuesday we'll be starting at 8 p.m and we'll see you there so come out and see me at home team pub today and at press room pub tomorrow and i'll talk with you on the airwaves tomorrow morning god bless you and be well